And welcome back to what's new. Fuck. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, and welcome back to what's next of comic book podcast, where every month we go over the comic solicitations for Marvel, DC, Image, and other indie publishers in the comic book industry uh, for what's coming up in the next three months. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Von Doom. And I'm one of your other co-hosts, Dallas Taylor, number one supporter of the U.S. Army and specifically Uh-oh. Top Gun Maverick. Um, movie's uh-huh. perfect. And I left it believing things that I didn't believe before walking into that movie. And I don't believe them anymore. But there was like a 30-minute mm. window there after that movie that I was like, maybe America is a good place. Yeah, that's definitely a longer window than I had. Um, my window was very much, I walked into the, well, I went to the movies thinking, yeah, fuck the USA, fuck America, fuck the army. And then I went to the movie and I was like, damn, this mystical America that they made up for the movie is really cool. And I hate the enemy in this movie. So like, yeah, America in the movie is very good. And then I left and I was like, oh yeah, that was a movie. And that was basically it. It was a very good movie though. I enjoyed it. See, I think sitting there with my white family at the at the Mexican restaurant after the movie kept that going for about 30 minutes. Yeah, you had to keep it going then, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> sitting there drinking a glass of water over some chips and guac with my dad, like, absolutely. Yep, you're right. <laughs> you could take the Utah of the boy, but you can't take the boy out of Utah. That's exactly Wait. true. Did I say that right? I mean, what I'm saying they... is Dallas is still very racist. So That is also true. <laughs> yep. Deep down, it's a work in, in progress. Heart of hearts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Taco Maverick was very good. Um, the only thing was uh, my girlfriend and I saw it together, and the first thing we did, she did before we walked into the movie, she turned to me and she said, um, "If you look closely, you'll see that Tom Cruise has a middle tooth." Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, "What?" And she said, "Yeah, just look. You'll notice it now." I said, "Why would you? Why would you do this to me?" And she said, if I have to suffer through it, you do too. <laughs> I was so annoyed. And every time I saw it, I just wouldn't make a reaction. But she knew. She would know exactly when I would see it. And she would turn to me and go, do you see it? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I do. It's not that distracting. It was very distracting. <laughs> so, Love that movie, though. Very fun. It was so fun. I walked in with my wife, and she hates action movies historically. Uh-huh. And so by the last third, when she was like pumping her fists as well as they were flipping planes, I was like, yeah. they got you. They got you, didn't they? Honestly, I started fist bumping in like the immediate like five minutes, like in the intro. When he hit amazing. Mach 10, I was yeah. like, yeah. oh my God, oh. yes. That moment, holy crap. That's what the movie, every action scene in that movie is just like that too. Every single one has that intensity. The amount of times I just, my arm was at a right angle, just tensed, shaking, <laughs> was astronomical. I haven't had that visceral of a response to a movie in forever. It's been a long time. Yeah, what a blockbuster. Yeah, they're lucky Mission Impossible isn't coming out this year, though, because that would take the cake for me for sure. But it's not out. So in terms of blockbusters, this one's probably the most blockbuster blockbuster of the year. It was just what's so funny is realizing that, like, this is also a nostalgia fueled legacy sequel Mm -hmm. that is a cash grab. But for some reason, it feels like this giant victory for cinema. You know, you're like, they did it. They beat the Marvel machine. It's like that was a two and a half hour commercial for the U.S. Air Force. What are you? Yeah, it's super about? propaganda. Like, let's well, we won't get it twisted at all. We're, we know what it is. We're I, fools. We're we're idiots. We get it. But also, like, it's a fun movie, so we can acknowledge that. Uh, I am willing to make it my problematic fave of the year. Absolutely. Besides PKJ, yeah. So, what are you excited <laughs> to talk about? <laughs> what are you talking? <laughs> 
<laughs> we start before we started the podcast. I I immediately say we cannot talk about PKJ uh, on the podcast, and if someone mentions him, we have to cut the other person off. Um, and I really broke that just for the joke. It was worth it. Oh man, it was. I mean, that was my sly. I'm pro U.S. military comment at the beginning. I was yeah. trying to get a rise out of you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I pretend to let it go just so I can strike then three minutes later. <laughs> Comedy's all about bitches. Time, fuck. <laughs> you know, Evan, they just don't let you say anything funny anymore. It's such a dangerous time to be a comedian. Such a dangerous time to be you a comedian. Just, <laughs> who knows? You come out here on your podcast making millions of dollars, saying whatever the hell you want with no consequences, and they I- just. They're robbing it from us. It's unbelievable. And they and nowadays they pull up stuff you say like an episode ago. <laughs> that was a month ago, man. They Are you pull, serious? They pull Come things up now. from your current special that you're in the middle of. In the middle of. I might release this tomorrow and then by Wednesday. Wait, so today for the calendar people, it's Monday. <laughs> so it's Monday. I can release this tomorrow on a Tuesday and by a Wednesday I'm canceled? What? Come people on. I, that was change? a day ago. Mm. <laughs> what happened to the tolerant left? I would yeah. like to continue to punch down. Yeah, whatever happened to the not tolerant right? Now I gotta go to the Republicans for <laughs> my comedy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Pretty pretty problematic <laughs> of you guys to keep shifting who will let you get away with what. Yeah. Pick a ground. Stand by it. Hold your I don't know, what's topical? Why do I wanna say guns? Hold your <laughs> Hold your jets to your chest and don't let go, Maverick. That's right. This message was brought to you by the U.S. military. If you would like to do something about it, go punch an ROTC kid at school. I'm oh, just kidding. Don't do that. Don't no no violence in the school place, please, or anywhere I guess. But you know specifically after school, school though. So after, after school, school, yeah, yeah. Give him a little little sock in <laughs> Give him a razzle dazzle. What's a he gonna do? Roll a flag at you too quickly. Forget about it. <laughs> World star. <laughs> let's talk <laughs> let's talk comics this is the most chaotic intro we've ever had i'm sorry for new listeners this is not what we're normally like we're, we just saw top gun maverick so we have that energy in us the america can do energy and what we can do is talk about comic books Hoorah. that's a segue Ugh, so let's open up um honestly we don't have a lot to say about boom dark horse or idw this month so but we do want you guys to be interested in them and check out the things that are exciting for you so I'm going to go ahead and just read off all of them right now. But before we start, I just want to do a quick shout out to comicreleases.com. Because normally what I do is I'll go to a solicitation page and edit it myself. So we have good formatting for it. So I do that specifically for Marvel and DC. So I could break up for like Spider-Man and Batman and Batman Family and so on and so on. Um, but for like Image, Dark Horse, IDW, we normally just take from their official sites. And no shade. But their official sites usually suck with how they put it in because it's not an alphabetical order. It's not, you know, regulating single issues versus versus trade paper or hardcover. It's just unregulated nonsense that I don't understand at all. So maybe I'm stupid. No, it's fully bananas. It's fully bananas. We could be dumb, to be fair. But from a reader perspective, I'm just like, it's not organized enough for me to be. And I love good interfaces. Comic book or comic releases dot com is what I'm using right now. And they have a very good organizational skill. They separate it by hardcover, trade, and single issues. So since we only talk about the single issues, it makes it very convenient for us. So I just want to give them a quick shout out because it's we're using today. And if we end up not liking it, I apologize for uh, you know anything I say. 
But, you know, go check them out if you're looking for, you know, a quick list or if you want to follow along. I don't know. That could be fun. Yeah, follow along. Why not? I'll give you a second. Oh, let's get going. Boom Studios. Wind, Throne, in Sky, number one. Firefly, 20th Anniversary Special, number one. Magic, Ajani, Golden Bane, number one. Dallas knows what that means. Power mm-hmm. Rangers, Unlimited <laughs> Death Ranger, number one. Alice Ever After, number five. All New Firefly, number seven. Angel, number eight. Basilisk, number 10. Dune, The Waters of, of Canley, number four. Flavor Girls, number two. Grim, number four. House of Slaughter, number nine. Magic the Gathering, number 17. Mighty Morphin, number 22. Once in Future, number 28. Power Rangers, number 22. Vampire Slayer Buffy, number 5. We only find them when they're dead, number 13. Next, we have Dark Horse. Avatar, Adapt or Die, number 4. Cyberpunk 2077, Blackout, number 3. Frankenstein, New World, number 1. Jenny Zero, number... Oh, sorry. Jenny Zero Two, number 4. Lonesome Hunters, number 3. Mind MGMT, Bootleg, number 2. Minor Threats, number 1. Overwatch, New Blood, number 2. Parasomnia, The Dreaming God, number 1. That sounds awesome. Pearl 3, sorry. Yeah, Pearl 3, number 4. God, I hate that. The Shaolin Cowboy, Cruel to be Kin, number 4. That's awesome. Star Wars Hyperspace Stories, number 1. Survival Street, number 1. Tales from Harrow County, Lost Ones, number 4. The Ward, number 3. And Young Hellboy Assault on Castle Death, number two. That's a sick name. And yeah. finally, Hellboy's we have sick. Young Hellboy. Young Hellboy, that's a dope rap name. Young Hellboy. Yo, I Young to Hellboy, drop a and single. I'm here to say I got a giant fist in a major way. Next, we have, uh, what is this? IDW. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, Ravenloft, Orphan of Agony, Isle, number three. Jesus Christ. Dark Spaces. <laughs> <laughs> like, keep throwing words at me. Let's go. Like, what, why not? Uh, <laughs> is the title done? I don't know. I don't it's know. A it could have kept going. It just cuts the, off there. <laughs> the amount of book titles that have become sentences is bananas. Like, I usually love it, but. For comic titles, when I have to read them, not a fan. Like, I was the only person that liked, um, what was it? Harley Quinn and the Emancip- Wait, the Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. I thought that was a fun title. It didn't sell well because of the title, but I thought it was a fun title. But I was the only one. You know? Now it's I'm suffering best. because of it, so that's karma. It's the best DCU movie. There we go. I'm throwing it out there. Shazam. Dark Spaces, Wildfire number two. G.I. Joe, Best of Sh- Storm Shadow, One Shot. G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number 297, More American Propaganda. The Kill Lock, The Artisan, Wraith, number six. My Little Pony, number four. Sonic the Hedgehog, number 52. Sonic the Hedgehog Annual, 2022. Star Trek, The Trill. Oh, that's it. Uh, Transformers, Last Bot Standing, number four. Transformers, Shattered Glass, two, number one. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, ongoing, number 132. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Armageddon Game, opening moves, number two. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Best of Baxter Stockman, one shot. Star Trek, The Mirror War, number eight. Star Trek, Picard, Stargazer, number one. Uh, True Cult, number one. And Usagi Yojimbo, number 30, by the Stan Sakai. All right, what are you looking forward to out of this big old bunch, my guy? Well, obviously, and always, Usagi Ujimbo is the best comic book of all time. If you're not reading it, you're a fool or a liar, so please check it out. And if you don't like it, um, I don't know what to say. Stop listening to the podcast. We don't want your support. Um, I agree with that. I'm still very excited for Dark Spaces, the Scott Snyder one. 
Um, I don't know what it's about, but Scott Snyder is pretty much a genius. I love pretty much everything he touches or tries to do. I, I always find him interesting, at least. So I'm very excited about that from IDW. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of things from Boom I'm excited about. Uh, Once in Future seems to be like semi working towards a conclusion right now. Yeah. Like, I think we probably have like the arc we're in and then maybe one more before thing. Like, I could see this doing 36 issues, mm, yeah. most likely, based on the pace it's at right now. And I'm really enjoying it. I think that it's ramping up as it gets closer to the end. Uh, I also want to shout out Wind, uh, thrown in, mm. it should be thrown in the sky. Thrown in sky is a stupid name, but who knows? Maybe that's how the, they talk. The first miniseries of Wind was a really, really fun story that I think more people should have checked out. Like, if you mm. like the work of James Tinian, this absolutely is a book that you're going to dig. If you like Wiccan and Hulkling and that sort of mm. representation in comic books, this feels like what if Wiccan and Hulkling got to be extra gay is kind of what Wind ends up being. So I would recommend it. I think it's worth checking, getting caught up and then checking out when the follow-up series comes out. Hell yeah. Um, the thing I'm excited for from Boom Studio also is Grim by Stephanie Phillips. What do you and, think of the uh, first issue? Flaviano is the artist. But um, the first issue? Yeah. What do you think of it? I was intrigued. I didn't know what I was expecting. I think I was expecting something more similar to her Harley Quinn comic. Um, which, if you're not reading the her Harley Quinn comic, it's very good. I'm very far behind, but it's so much fun. Um, this is a little bit different. And it seems to be much more similar to, like, something is killing the children, I think. Um, so somewhere in between that. So Steph, if if Stephanie Phillips wrote something that's going to the children, that's what this feels like. Um, and I think what they set up in the first issue without spoiling anything is very interesting and not the direction I expected them to go. Um, so I enjoyed it. I just don't know if I'm going to love it yet, but I'm, it's enough for me to like at least do the first volume and see how I feel after that. Then I might switch to trades and who knows. I think I read it too close to having read Carmen, which mm. came out last year and I really loved and had a pretty similar premise. And oh, so okay. I think I need to wait a little longer before giving this another try because issue one to me very much felt like, didn't I just read this, <laughs> but I liked it better last time. And yeah. so I think it was a high quality book and I think a lot of people are really going to dig it. I just personally don't know if it's a story for me right now. That's fair. I do want to say a lot of these titles are very stupid. Like listening to you say like flip flap number three, number five of eight, the sequel one shot double time power pose like that. These names are redonkulous. I don't like it. They just keep going. I don't know. I, we're missing stuff. Maybe like we're not the ones reading these yet. So who knows? But I, I never liked the. Like when a, when an event happens and like the event is called like let's say Shadow War just for example it's like Shadow War Robin Alpha or something I don't like it when it does that so like the Ninja Turtles one that's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the Armageddon game opening moves I'm like damn I don't know how much I'm missing now like it feels like this is a tie in to a tie in I'm not sure how to jump into that now so just from like an outsider perspective I think it's very confusing 
Um, even if like we're pretty, we read comics, so we're used to this kind of stuff. And even now, it's still like, do I can I just jump in from opening moves number one? Do I have to read the Armageddon game first, or is there something I should read the ongoing before that? I don't even know if this is a part of the Armageddon games or if is the Armageddon games. I have no idea. So yeah, I feel like I'm getting less and less patience for predatory marketing from comic books. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like. Comics is getting increasingly committed to selling a lot of issues to a small group of people. Yeah. Whereas I would like to support books and efforts that are trying to make those books available to more people. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like nobody's going to pick up that issue without knowing what's going on. Right. Yeah. But if we had more easy jumping on points and not the kind of like fake easy jumping on point that's like such and such volume three we gave it another number one because everyone buys a number one just like make comics that are easy to get into like it doesn't have to be this whole thing like i feel like you can jump into kelly thompson's captain marvel literally any issue and you're gonna be okay (laughs) yeah like you might not want to you might want to go back to the beginning of a trade but like ultimately if you start with Captain Marvel number 37, you're going to be okay. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. Because on one hand, I 100% agree with you. And I definitely think that there's a, a predatory marketing in the industry. But at the same time, you look at something like, let's use The Walking Dead, for example. And that's an indie book, so maybe it's not the best example. But that's a book that went on for 150 plus issues, I think. Never did a number number one. It, it had jumping on points where it was like, hey, this issue is only 30 cents or whatever. So try it out. But even then, that was still the beginning of a new arc, but still middle of the story. So I don't think we, I don't know exactly what the best method is, but I think there's different methods to try for each book. For Kelly Thompson, she writes, Kelly Thompson is a great writer. Let me just say off, off the jump, I love pretty much all of her stuff. She makes it very good for each arc, you just jump in. So like when I was reading Jessica, for Jessica Jones, I think I started the volume two instead of volume one for some reason. And immediately I was just caught up basically. And then I went back and read volume one. I was like, oh, I didn't need to read this, but they're standalone arcs, even though they go into each other. So I think there's a way to write that, but at the same time, does it work for everything? I don't know. Like that wouldn't work as well for uh, The Walking Dead or even Invincible. Invincible had a bunch of like fake number one starting points because it was making fun of that uh, <laughs> that concept. But at the same time, I think if you jumped into any volume of Invincible, um, you could do it, but I don't think it works as effectively as if you start from the beginning. So, For sure. Think... And with like a creator-owned thing, it's it's designed to have a number one and a final issue, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think realizing that a creator-owned issue is going to be different than the perpetual motion machine that right. is Big Two Comics. And that like they're not they're never really going to be each other. They're not going to find successes yeah. in the ways that the other one is finding successes. And I don't know. I There was just this quote from Brian K. Vaughn that I heard in an interview a couple weeks ago where comics used to be the easily accessible media for the masses, right? Mm-hmm. It was printed on newspaper, sold at newsstands. Every kid in America read comics. Yeah. And it has since become a niche hobby for the well-off. Because, like, to keep up with comics and, like, keep up buying comics, you have to have a decent chunk of disposable income and time 
and energy to put into it. And so there's just been a shift in who the target audience is. And I reading these titles, as silly as it sounds, like makes me shudder. Like, can't we just shift it a little different? You know? Yeah, I can see that. And that's like kind of also where it comes into like that pirating debate that I always hate to do. But it's why I always understand when people say I pirate or um, I can't afford comics and everything. You know, we give all these different options where you're like, oh, you go Marvel Unlimited. Oh, you go to your library. But all these options aren't available for everybody. So if these options aren't being made available easily, then it's very obviously going to be exploited in a different way. So I'm not saying that goes, that definitely isn't a fault of the creators. The creators are doing their jobs. They're trying to make a living. They're trying to survive. We all are. So it's definitely not their fault. But Marvel or DC, the big two especially, they have to find a way to hit that audience that wants to read comics, but just cannot because it's just inaccessible to them right now. Yeah, I think that big two comics are their own beast. Hmm. But I do, I do think there are efforts that creator-owned comics can make to to do a little better, right? Like, hmm. I know I was really happy when I came back to Saga number fifty-five to see it was still two ninety-nine. All these years later, like yeah. issues are still only two ninety-nine. Trades are still only between ten and fifteen dollars. You know, like. Yeah. And again, Brian K. Vaughn has made it very clear, like he's not hurting because of that. You know, yeah. like he he almost believes that making it cheaper in comparison to other comics has helped build his audience. He's like, Saga is accessible. Like you can give Saga a chance where yeah. two issues of Donny Kate's Venom is going to cost the same as the first trade of Saga. Like it's yeah. not it's not a hard choice. You know, that's a good point. And I also, like, back in the day, it used to be that, you know, you could either get the trades as they're coming out. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Ooh, that was a weird burp. You could either get, like, the issues as they're coming out or wait for the trade. And usually the trade was, like, a good deal in comparison. Like, if you really wanted to wait it out, you'd get, like, maybe $7 off of what it would cost to, like, get the issues. But nowadays, I don't see that huge of a difference between buying, like, if maybe it's, like, an issue free basically for buying the volume but even then it's usually not that anymore but they like to add other deluxe stuff to it and interviews which are all nice and everything but if you're trying to make something accessible making the trade the same price as just buying all the issues isn't going to do that it also it's just it feels slimy that like marvel comics specifically have made all of their issues two pages shorter Mm -hmm. in the last five years and they've made their trade paperbacks one issue shorter Trades mm-hmm. are usually five issues now. Yeah. And so you're literally getting 32 less pages and they're sure. charging $5 more yeah. now. You're getting smaller trades for more money. It's really it weird. Just, it's not good. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't know what their long-term plan is, but they have to change something. And Marvel Unlimited, starting, we're starting to see that kind of change. I think Marvel Unlimited is a huge huge help for the industry but it's just one step and not everyone's learning from it yet you <clears throat> see so who knows yeah yeah i i do like marvel unlimited a lot dc infinite's pretty stinky still it's pretty bad but dc trades are higher quality than marvel trades so but they also take seven months to come out so <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know let's talk about weekly comics hell yeah should we do should i read marvel uh well should we do image 
Yeah. Yeah, we can do image. We do go you want image. Do image or you want me to do image? Mm, I can do image. Okay. All right, everybody. So, image comics, they rule. And I'm vamping mm. while I scroll. But honestly, I noticed that the monkey meat trade is coming out. And mm-hmm. you should pick that up. I had the chance to talk to Juni Ba over on my other podcast. And he's delightful. Yeah. All right. And also, I think step by step, step by blade step will be done by this point. So, if for some reason they pick up the issues, get the trade paper back for that because this is it's one of the most beautiful stories you're gonna read this year. It's gonna win an Eisner for sure. A hundred percent. There's no way it loses. Yeah, it's uh, it's real good. Um. All right. Single issues from Image Comics: Manifest Destiny, number forty-six; The Last Shadowhawk, number one; The Last Shadowhawk, number one, three D. Ooh. Love Everlasting number one from Image Comics. Uh, Old Dog number one. 20th Century Men number one. The Dead Lucky number one. The Deadliest Bouquet number one. Golden Rage number one. Brigade number one. Remastered Edition. Shirtless Bear Fighter 2 number one. That's the one exception to my rule of stupid titles. Shirtless, Shirtless Bear Fighter Bear 2. <laughs> that rules. Uh, 20XX Transport One-Shot, Above Snakes, number two. Beware the Eye of Odin, number three. Bloodstained Teeth, number five. The Closet, number three. Deadly Class, number 56. The Department of Truth, number 21. (laughs) Do a Powerbomb, number three. Eight Billion Genies, number four. Farmhand, number 20. Firepower by Kirkman and Somni, number 23. Uh, Gunslinger Spawn, number 11. Hellcop, number 10. I Hate This Place, number 4. Image, number 5. King Spawn, number 13. Lego Ninjago Garmadon, number 4. Little Monsters, number 6. Loaded Bible Blood of My Blood, number 6. The Magic Order 3, number 2. Metal Society, number 4. New Masters, number 6. Nita Haw's Nightmare Blog, number 8. Prodigy, The Icarus Society, number 2. Public Domain, number 3. Radiant Black, number 18. A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, number 11. Rogue Sun, number 7. Rogue's Gallery, number 2. The Scorched, number 9. Seven Sons, number 3. The Silver Coin, number 13. Sins of the Black Flamingo, number 3. Skybound Presents After School, number 3. Slumber, number 6. Spawn, number 333. Starhenge, book 1, The Dragon and the Boar, number 2. That Texas Blood, number 16. Time Before Time, number 15. A Town Called Terror, number 5. Twig, number 4. Undiscovered Country, number 20. Unnatural Blue Blood, number 4. The Walking Dead Deluxe, number 44. The Walking Dead Deluxe, number 45. A lot of heat. A lot of heat. Image is batting on all cylinders, or whatever the phrase is, and they have a lot of good stuff coming out. Uh, From Jump, I gotta say, Deadly Class is wrapping up. I think this is the final issue, and... I've been reading. I, I finally caught up to Deadly Class, and so I'm all caught up, and it's going to be a fucking banger of an ender. 
So if you haven't started reading Deadly Class, catch up now. Um, it's going to make you cry. You might not like it, but you have to read it because I told you to. And it is just, it's one of those stories that you read and you're like, oh, this is going to be so nihilistic and so emo and blah, blah, blah. And then you read it and there's like so much optimism behind it somehow. Like you're, you're seeing nihilism on the page, but the feeling is all optimistic that things are going to work out still or there is some hope. And even when things get dire and very serious and very real, um, you're still kind of just like, there's a there's something in the page. I don't know how, if it's how Rick Remender writes it or if it's some subtext that he's just ingrained into it. But I think Rick Remender is a genius with how, whatever he's doing with Deadly Class, he's a genius for it because it's amazing how you could present something and get an entirely different feel from it. And I can't imagine, I can't remember the last time that I felt this way about a book where the page told me one thing but the feeling is telling me something different. So 100% read Deadly Class, just from the premise alone, Assassination School, like that should get you into it. And they don't hold back. So if that's your thing, check it out. Um, and this this ending's gonna be crazy. I definitely should get caught up. I'm a pretty big Rick Remender fan. And this one is somewhat of a blind spot for me, like we've talked about on the show. Yeah. So maybe I'll get caught up before the finale. We can experience it together. Please do. I would love to. Um, Love Everlasting, number one, from Elsa Chartier and uh, Tom King is awesome. Uh, this is their Substack comic is now coming over to be released at Image. And I've read the first three issues of this. It is really fun. It's a romance story through the lens of like the Twilight Zone, almost. Mm-hmm. And so if you would like a fun twist on romance comics while looking at stunning artwork, this is definitely a comic for you. Yeah, I will be checking it out. Um, I think we're both pretty excited for Do a Powerbomb. Hell yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. I Issue three from the solicits, it looks like we're going to be doing tag team wrestling. Yeah, with a giant gorilla. <laughs> I am so excited from this miniseries from Daniel Warren Johnson. And I want him to make so much money from this yes. comic book. So everybody, please, if you have $4 every month starting this month in June, hmm. buy one issue of Do a Powerbomb. Yeah. If we all did it, he could just keep doing cool comics like this forever. Yeah. He's like one of the most creative comic creators out right now. Like the mind behind Jurassic League, something I think no one would ever think about besides him or let alone get DC to make it with him. So I I feel like we, we keep saying we want that like new ideas in comics. You know, we don't want the same old thing, same old thing. This is something different. So if you're interested in something different, try to support it as much as you can. I agree. Um, I also want to shout out Firepower, number mm, 23. Mm. Um, Firepower is a, a spiritual successor to Invincible mm. in that it's telling the kind of superhero story that you wish the big two would tell. Yeah. But with Invincible, it was, we want to see consequences. We want to see our character grow up. And then it almost feels like the comic industry saw the success of Invincible and started doing lots more comics like that. And Firepower is like, we want to see healthy adult relationships that still have 
drama and intrigue and superhero trappings. Mm. And that seems to be what firepower is doing. Firepower. I said it last month. I'll say it again. Firepower feels like the Spider-Man comic where Mary Jane and Peter never got divorced, you know, or they never got their marriage erased by the devil. They actually had kids and they went on (laughs) being superheroes, you know? And so I really like it. And there's a giant dragon. It's a giant dragon. That's hanging out. And it's awesome. Yeah. To piggyback on that a little bit, it's all that. I think this is one of those comics that are very much a feel-good comic where Invincible wasn't so much that. Like, Invincible was very much like, what if there's consequences in comic books? It's like the ultimate universe in a new universe. So they kind of went with that. And I love Invincible. It was awesome. Um, This is different in the sense that I feel like the stakes, the stakes are huge, but I don't feel like the stakes are as prevalent or as like um, meta, I would suppose. It's very much more a story that's a separate own thing. So I do hope it has an effect on it. Uh, I don't think the drama hits for me as much as I want it to, but it's such a fun book. And the and who does the art? Chris 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 Somney. Yeah. Chris Somney does the art, and it's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful books out there. So, unbridled Chris Somney is pretty crazy. Oh yeah. Um, I want to shout out. I hate this place. Number four by Kyle Starks. Yeah. Did they change the they change the name like officially now? Yeah, you can still, it technically has both titles, Mm. but apparently a lot of comic stores reached out and said they didn't want to stock a book with the F word in the title. Oh, man. But, so if you ask your comic shop, they can order you the original title, which is Fuck This Place, (laughs) which Kyle Starks likes better. Yeah. Or you can just pick up the regular official title now, I Hate This Place. But for anyone not in the know, I Hate This Place is Kyle Stark's first foray into horror. And so he decided to do all horror. There are aliens, there are monsters, there are zombies, there is a like slasher villain, and they live in a haunted house. Nice. And it stars this wonderful couple. One woman is like a doomsday prepper, and one is kind of a head-in-the-clouds character. And watching these two women interact with each other within this horror environment is addicting. The best thing Kyle Starks does is his character work. And that's on full display. And I hate this place. So definitely pick it up. Hell yeah. I'll check it out. Um, the other thing I liked from the, well, the one thing I'm excited for is uh, the dead lucky. This is another spinoff from the radiant black books. And I've said, I've said it before. I'm not a big fan of Radiant Black. It just doesn't work for me. It's not the book I wanted or was promised, but, you know, it works for other people. But I've been really enjoying Radiant Red recently. And so The Dead Lucky is another spinoff uh, from the same author as Radiant Red, I believe, Melissa um, Flores. If I'm incorrect about that, I apologize. Uh, but I'm pretty sure she did both of those. So I think this sounds fun. I think people should check it out. Um, and then, like, you know, I have the usual image comics everyone should read, like, uh, Registers for Vengeance is still amazing. It's never been bad. It's still the consistently great slow burn. Um, the Silver Coin is amazing. It's fun. There's not much I can say about the Silver Coin. I want to say more about the Silver Coin, but I don't know. It's just like a collection of one shots. If you like horror, it's a fun horror book from different, same, same, uh, what should we call it? Artists, wow! I don't know why I just brain farted there. <laughs> Same artist every time, but different author. Um, so Silver Coin always hits for me. 
And uh, Little Monsters from Dustin Nguyen and Jeff Lemire has been really fun. Mm-hmm. It's a black and white vampire comic about a group of kids that all got turned into vampires and then abandoned by the adult <laughs> vampires. And so you just get to see them work their way through the world as these never dying children. And where we're at in the story now, they bumped into humans for the first time. So these vampire kids have been living off of rats and they just got a taste for people. And it has shifted the dynamics of the group. And it's just a really fun book. Like I always, I underestimate it. I'm always like, oh, little monsters. Yeah, that has been good. But then every issue just flies by. Like I'm so, so happy every issue that I read. And then we both love A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This month's issue was bananas. Every issue of this book is bananas. I'm so glad that Evan put me on this book. I'm so glad you're on the train, too. More people should be on this train. It's the only book I know that every single issue, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm always surprised. So, And I, it's a really sparse comic as far as the explanations go and yeah. the wording goes, but I personally feel like the story has been very clear the whole time. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I don't feel lost. I feel the issues fly by, but not in a yeah. frustrating way. In a way where you're like, what happens next? Yeah. And it, it really feels like the monthly book that gives me a cliffhanger I care about. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It's, not, it's weird because, like, the cliffhangers are huge. Like, there are cliffhangers you're like, what the hell happens next? But it's not like agonizing where you're like again or like oh my god i need to know now you're kind of like oh my god i can't wait for the next issue Mm -hmm. so that's just something we don't get a lot from comics especially like if you only read the big two the cliffhanger is always something that you're like all right yeah we're doing this again let's go let's go and like then you have to wait a month but this one you're like you're on the edge of your seat the whole time um and i just watched the movie um panic room the david fincher movie Mm -hmm. um it was my first time watching i watched that today and they have very similar uh styles of storytelling in terms of like how little exposition they give everything's exposition through dialogue or character interactions and you kind of are just thrown into it and expected to learn as you go because it trusts you to be smart enough to figure it out so i guess just like a movie recommendation if you like <laughs> righteous thirst for vengeance read or watch panic room if you like panic room read righteous thirst for vengeance i like it and then my final recommendation from Image Comics would be Twig number four, mm. which is the penultimate issue of a bone style fantasy adventure from Scotty Young and Kyle Strom. Scotty Young has such an eye for artistic talent. Every artistic collaborator he's ever worked with has been phenomenal. And Twig is no different. It is a stunning book, it's fun. It's funny, and I think you should check it out. I still need to check it out. Uh, yeah, I think I don't have any other recommendations. Uh, I'm excited to eventually read The Closet from James Tinney and the Fourth, but I don't know anything about it. But so far, he's been killing it with all of his horror stuff. So anything he wants to throw my way, I will we'll definitely try. Definitely. Uh, before we move on to the big two, which tends to be the main attraction, I do want to just plug... Create your own comics. I there's always something good from a creator own comic. Like I think one of the earliest lessons I learned in comics was that 
often the little names in the corner of the comic meant more to me than the big name at the top of the comic. Like, as much as I love these characters, as much as I love these teams, there are creatives behind these books that mm-hmm. love this storytelling medium and are so, so talented. In the same way that you can follow a director from film to film and get your fun fix and you you learn to know that certain names bring quality with them, uh, creator-owned comics are a way for you to directly influence the life of these people that do things that matter so much to us. Mm-hmm. You can actively help them have better lives and more money in their pockets by going and supporting the stories that come directly from them. They're not playing with someone else's toys. They're not writing a never-ending second act to superhero comics. As much as I love superhero comics, mm. you get to see these artistic geniuses work through beginning, middle, and ends of stories. And I just I have such a passion for creator-owned comics. That's All of my favorite comics are creator-owned comics. And if you have not been checking them out recently, I think we're definitely in a really great place where a lot of high quality books are coming out. And the ones that we highlighted here on the show are ones that we wholeheartedly would recommend right up next to our very favorite superhero comics. Like the quality is the exact same, if not better. I agree. Bingo. (laughs) Um, Do you want to do Marvel or do you want to do DC? Hmm. My mouth is a little dry, so can you do Marvel and I'll do DC? Sounds good. I will do Marvel. So starting off with Marvel, we're doing Spider-Man. We got Amazing Spider-Man number 10, Amazing Spider-Man number 9. Uh Uh-oh, that's a weird order. Uh, Let me start over. We're doing Amazing Spider-Man number 9, Amazing Spider-Man number 10, Amazing Spider-Man, wait, no, Amazing Fantasy number 1000, Spider-Punk number 5 of 5, Miles Morales Spider-Man number 41, Edge of the Spider-Verse, number one. Edge of Spider-Verse, number two. Edge of Spider-Verse, number three. Giant Size Gwen Stacy, number one. Carnage, number six. And Venom, number 11. Now, I don't have anything to say about Gwen Stacy. No disrespect. But I do want to point out that if you were looking for the finale of that miniseries of Gwen Stacy that came out back in like 2019. Yeah, 2019. Um, this is will be eventually the conclusion of that. So Giant Size, Gwen Stacy, number one, uh, reprints issues one through three of that miniseries. And I think they're doing the last two issues. So it got cut off because of COVID, um, but now they're finally giving it a conclusion. So if you're interested in that, I just want to put that out there because I don't think a lot of people actually heard that this was coming back. I definitely didn't. So um, Anyway, it, Edge of Spider-Verse is say. coming back. <laughs> Holy the big shit. one we want to talk about. This is the greatest moment of my life. Edge of Spider-Verse, the original little miniseries leading up to the Spider-Verse event, was like the most excited I had ever been about comics at that point. Like <laughs> I I bought every printing of Spider-Gwen's first appearance, and I sold them for a p- pretty penny right before I moved here to New York. But I had them all at one point, right. and I loved it. Like, it's so fun to see these alternate universes. So fun to see people come in with a passion for spider characters and put their spin on them. All these new characters look so cool. Like, the yeah, black, they really do. The black cat spider looks awesome. This Captain Britain looking spider. I don't even know what she's doing. She looks <laughs> awesome. We've got another spider girl looks awesome. Ugh, 
Uh, well, I think it's the original Spider Girl. Well, she got a new costume, and I Ara- love it. Aranya. It's incredible. What a life. What a time to be alive. Holy crap, Evan. I'm so hyped. No, I'm so hyped, too. I feel like we're the only people that actually like the original Spider-Verse still. Uh, I love events. it. Yeah, I love it. Um, well, actually, also for context, uh, <laughs> Dallas started his Spider-Man life with Superior Spider-Man, correct? That was my first. And then I went back and read all of Big Time, like, immediately. Yeah. So, and I also got back into 616 Spider-Man because of Superior Spider-Man. It was so incredible. we are full, you know, full bias out there. You know, mm-hmm. we are kind of fans of Dan Slott for better or worse. Um, I, I, I agree with most of the criticism he gets, especially when, for his writing of female characters, mm-hmm. um, specifically Silk, but uh, you know, and Black Cat and MJ. Um, so, you know, it's out <laughs> there, you know, All I get it. Except for, um, oh shoot. What was um, Doc Ock's love interest's name? Anna Marie. Anna Marie, yeah. I he think, also writes a good Carly Cooper. Yeah. Carly Cooper gets a lot of hate, but I actually liked how he wrote Carly Cooper. Uh, I liked, I disliked more of like the fallout surrounding her than his actual writing of her. Mm-hmm. But I also thought he wrote really good. Anna Marie is obviously an original character he made, but I thought Anna Marie was a great character and very needed for both Doc Ock and Peter Parker's life. So I feel like that was, you know, so he, I'm saying I, I get the criticism and I agree with most of it, but there are some standouts. So I'm hoping this will also fall more into the Anna Marie situation where these female characters that are coming in that he's writing and creating um, will have, you know, good writing behind them. Um, but yeah, Spider-Verse was a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie about that. And Edge of Spider-Verse, I never expected it to come to this. And this is right before the next event, which will be end of Spider-Verse, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is basically it. This is like what all of his trilogy was leading up to. So I'm very excited to see what he actually has in mind. I, again, noted Dan Slott Spider-Man liker here. I think the run had its ups and downs. The With 10 years of Spider-Man, you're bound to have some clunkers. Hmm. But I do think there were some incredible peaks. And the original Spider-Verse storyline is a big peak for me. Yeah. Um, I also, I 100% agree. I think that Dan Slott can't write a female romantic lead to save his life. Like, love you, Dan. If you're listening, I really do love your work a lot. But, like, sometimes the things that come out of these women's mouth are banana pants. And the situations that they're put in are banana pants. But I do think he tends to write female characters better when they are not a a romantic object to be oogled at. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's it's almost like he doesn't write sexual tension well, more yeah. so than just like female leads, right? Like Carly Cooper was really interesting when she was not being the romantic lead for Peter Parker. Right. Anna Maria was a romantic partner to Otto Octavius, but a lot of her really strong moments were that she was an equal next to him yeah. instead of like the object of desire from him. And so That's I'm I'm hopeful for these characters. Obviously, if they're clunkers, rip the dream. But <laughs> I do think they have potential, and I'm excited. Yeah, and worst case scenario, he introduced us to new characters that someone else will take over later. Like with Silk. Silk, under his writing, not, not great, honestly. But immediately after that, you know, she got her volume zero, volume zero and volume one, and it was just, she took off. She was an amazing character after that. So, um the last thing I want to say about this is I'm calling it right now that I think the villain of the last Spider-Verse is going to be a Spider-Verse Morlin. 
Maybe that's it. Ooh, a Moreland that got bit by a spider. Yeah. That's Maybe like, that's I, I finally read Moreland's Origin. Mm-hmm. It was dope. It's awesome. It was dope. I gotta reread that. It's just awesome. He's such a cool villain. I get he the is. hate, I guess, but at the same no. time, I don't get it because everyone's like, oh, he's just Spider-Man's Doomsday. I'm like, yeah, Doomsday was cool. I think people forget that Doomsday was cool before he was like overused over and over and over again. He's intimidating. He's scary. That's what you want from a villain. And I get his one note, but at the same time, if it works, it works. Yo, I did not know how Spider-Man was going to beat Moreland. Mm-hmm. And so I was on the edge of my seat. I had like an issue and a half left. I was like, how the hell is he going to beat him before 9-11 happens? Because I know. <laughs> oh, no. I know issue 36 is coming. It's coming. I know that weird page of Dr. Doom is coming. So I know yeah. he has to deal with Moreland before that happens. And he did it. And like those stakes felt so real. And I think something that Spider-Man is very good at is making you believe that somehow he might not make it this time. Yeah. Even though he almost always makes it. And so, I don't know. What if, have you had a chance to read any Zebwell Spider-Man yet? No, I'm still, oh, actually I read the first issue. What did uh, you Because everyone think? kept talking about it, so I was like, fuck it. I'll buy the issue. Shut up. What did you uh, think? Um, I don't like the direction. I think it's regressive of everything we've seen in the past 50 years of Spider-Man at this point. I get the whole cycle of Marvel. We are in a loop. We'll never stop. It's a time loop, blah, blah, blah. But also, even with like Nick Spencer's run, like for example, it did feel like the next step in a way for Spider-Man, even if there was some regression in terms of maybe writing some of the characters or in terms of like some familiar loops. Like we fought Craven again, but even that pushed the new Craven to a new direction. It redeemed old Craven's death. So we got something from that. Even Spider-Man was pushing a new way. Um, and some of his supporting characters like Vulture was advanced. So we got a bunch of that every single arc. And they're also fun. So I didn't mind. Um, and I'm I'm a Nick Spencer shooter. So I guess that's why I'm the only person that liked it. But in, in some ways, even though it's a little bit regressive, there was still forward motion. And it made sense as a logical next step from what we got with Dan Slott's run. Um, but with this run, and maybe I just have to finish Beyond, because I'm also not done with Beyond yet. I got through most of it, except for like the last few issues. Beyond doesn't have much to do with it. I was going to say, I don't think Beyond was really going to affect that much outside of like the Hellfire Gala. But um, yeah, this issue just off the jump feels just regressive again. It feels like we're, we are just doing... Like when uh, John Romita Jr. was the artist for JMS, right? So it just feels like we're just doing the hits again. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I guess minor spoilers because like it's in the previews and everything. But like, oh, yeah, MJ and Peter broke up. Oh, yeah, Peter did something really bad. And who knows what it was, but it shattered his relationships. Oh, no, his friends don't like him. Oh, no, his aunt doesn't like him. We've done this before. I don't see why we're doing it again yet. And the only thing that sounds interesting is that Norman's coming back as a good guy now, which does seem like the only thing that's actually continuing from Spencer's run. Everything else feels like we're just going, yeah, never mind. Forget it. We're just doing our own Spider-Man event, and now it's different again, just because we want it to be. And I I, I want to trust the process because I think Wells is a really good writer, but I'm just confused about why we're doing this again. And it doesn't make me want like I, I want to give it a chance. I'm gonna give it a chance, but Will I buy the first volume? No, I'll probably wait for it to go on Marvel Unlimited because so far there hasn't been anything that's proven to me like, yeah, we should shake up the status quo in the sense of regression again, just because 
and there's no there's nothing after the because it's just because so i'm just confused about why we're doing this again and why it's not fun (laughs) so can i push a little bit yeah go for it so i think issue one is pretty inflammatory on purpose Mm -hmm. and i don't it doesn't bug me a ton but i also for people that are bugged by that like that is an annoying thing to do it is annoying to be like, I'm going to push all your buttons so y'all come back and hate read number two. Yeah. Like number two, way less that and way more a continuation of the tombstone arc from mm. Spencer's run, which I really liked. Yeah. And I, so again, I'm reading JMS as Spider-Man for the first time. Right. And I was shocked at how like middle fingers up the first issue of that run was as well like everything you knew about the spider is pretend peter and mj are on the rocks like those two issues felt very similar to me right and then immediately the second jms issue and the second wells issue both felt like okay this is where the actual story starts Hmm. we were just trying to like aggravate you in the first issue i guess and so i'm not saying you have to like run out and support this book if you want to wait for marvel unlimited Go ahead, but I personally am excited to see what Wells does because he has proven himself to be an intelligent writer to me. Right. And the second issue, I didn't see, I saw very few people complaining about the second issue, and I felt like the second issue was stronger than the first. Hmm. All right, I'll, I'll give it another chance, but I guess if I guess my stance is that if you're going to do like a first issue like that and your idea is oh it's going to antagonize the reader to continue it's going to be hit or miss and for me it missed on a huge amount maybe this is like my first spider-man book back and i had the first volume in front of me i'd keep reading but if i bought this volume now after reading so much spider-man that i've been reading ongoing for the past six years or whatever ever since superior i guess so if this was like what you put in front of me, I wouldn't read the next chapter unless someone like you, someone I trust was just like, we'll give it another chance. So that's also, that's not really an, uh, any kind of stance. It's just like a personal stance, mm-hmm. I guess. But even then it's like very loosey goosey because I've been antagonized before. I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to keep reading. <laughs> so yeah. it just didn't work this time. And so, you know, that's just a warning for writers, especially in the future. If anyone's listening to this and trying to be a future writer, um, just know that these kind of, these positions are going to be very hit or miss. So don't be upset on Twitter, if your uh, story about a character going to a planet to, I don't know, help uh, an enslaved population just doesn't work out because you made the first issue very antagonizing, and the second and the second issue very antagonizing, hypothetically speaking, um, and people don't want to keep reading after that, you know, or they have opinions about what your run's going to be like, you know what you're doing. So let's just be very plain about that and just understand that sometimes people aren't going to come back just because you antagonize them. Yeah, it's very specific, but it wasn't. Yeah, no, that was that could have been about anybody. Could have been anybody. Um, any initials. You know, I'm gonna tell you. Wait a minute on Spider Man, and mm. I'm gonna read issue three on Wednesday, and okay. I'll let you, you know. You'll report back. <laughs> yeah, I will test run this first arc for you because, like, All right. I fucking hate it. The last third of Nick Spencer's Spider Man, mm. and I didn't drop it. So, like, I'm in this bitch for life. Like. <laughs> I'm going to be reading Spider-Man forever, so you might as well just let me test run it for you I and it. let you know if it gets better. 
In the meantime, I'm probably gonna start reading uh, JMS again. It's so good. It's so good. And for some reason, rereading uh, Karen Gillian's, and also like, also, just go on like a quick Star Wars tangent, I guess. I've been rereading Darth Vader. These comics are so good. Star Wars Marvel comics are so good, uh, especially the Darth Vader's. Zero misses so far. Gillian's run is amazing. Aaron does a good job with uh, Vader's down. Uh, shoot, I'm blanking on the next person. Charles, Charles Soul. Thank you, Charles Soul does an amazing job with the Inquisitors and everything. And now Greg Pak is pretty much killing it. And he's, he was able to tie into Rise of Skywalker, and I still liked it. So, I mean, how it's a good run. So if you're not reading Darth Vader, read Darth Vader. But yeah, so for some reason, like, rereading Kieran Gillian's uh, Darth Vader run made me really want to reread JMS's Spider-Man. I don't know the connection there, except for maybe it's nostalgia. But something in my mind was like, damn, I, got, I need to see what Morland's up to. <laughs> Yo, I, I'm like a quarter of the way through the entire run. Mm-hmm. And... It's easy to read too, which is nice. I think yeah. sometimes when I go back into the archives, it's always to go back to like 1963. And yeah. so I'm like, oh, like I love these, but like sometimes it's a chore. Yeah. And so sometimes I forget how readable more concurrent runs are. Like yeah. JMS Spider-Man, I'm cruising through it, having a good time. And yeah, would recommend yeah. on this uh, monthly solicitation podcast. Uh, here's a book from... <laughs> 2001 that i think is God. good they don't make comics like they used to back in my day you used to have radiated blood and it would kill your opponent now it's like you gotta send them to a pri- prison wait how how did they beat more than last time did they just did they beat more than last time do you want me to should i tell you again or should i let you rediscover it again i'm not gonna read ed what was it called Spider Ganon? I'm not reading that again. <laughs> There's no no offense to um who wrote that? Can't I, I, I didn't read it. Oh my god. Listen. It's this is all love. Uh I can't remember who the actual author is, but I used I love that author. So it's not like me hating an author. Spider Ganon was bad. It was just like to cash grab off of the Spider-Verse movie coming out. Spider Ganon wasn't good. It killed Spider-Man Noir for some reason. And now he's back, so that's good. But still, it was all just like a bunch of shock value. Sp- I know Spider-Verse was a bunch of shock value, but there was nope. also a story in there. <laughs> nope. Spider-Verse is perfect in, on a pedestal up in the sky. It's up on that little spider in the sky. Yeah, it's perfect. But Spider-Geddon, the good thing they did... Oh, that's what happened. I remember now. So they sidelined Peter Parker, which was great. So Miles Morales, Gwen, and another Spider-Man, who I can't remember, took like the spotlight, which is very cool. But so Peter Parker ended up finding Moreland basically one on one, and he beat him at a zoo, is what I remember. <laughs> so it was pretty good. That was cool, but Spider Gun alone was like not very well made, unfortunately. It just didn't feel necessary. But you know what is going to be necessary? Edge of Spider Verse, baby. That's right. I'm We're putting back. my money down. We're going to love it. Uh, anything else in Spider Man you want to talk about? No, I'm just happy to be talking about Spider Man again. No, Amazing Spider-Man kind of really sucked the wind out of my sails, but Miles Morales is really good still. So if you liked Miles Morales before, it's it's still very good. So keep reading it. Don't stop. Word. All right, let's do X-Men. We got X-Men Red number six, Immortal X-Men number six, X-Men number 14, uh, Marauders number six, X-Force number 31, Exterminators number two, Knights of X number five, Legion of X, number five. X-Men 92, House of... Number five. 
New Mutants number 29, X-Men and Moon Girl number 1, Wolverine number 24, Gambit number 4, X-Men Legends number 4, and that's it. That's all X-Men. How you doing on the X-Men line right now, Evan? I'm excited for the future. I think it's Immortal and Red are very good. I didn't read the last issue of Red yet. Um, it but was good. Yeah, I, I bet. I saw some of the pages. I was like, holy shit. So they're killing it. Um, Marauders has been fun so far. I'm not reading X-Men, so I can't comment on that. Or X-Force. But Exterminators looks good. Knights of X honestly looks promising. I know it's no one good. wants to say it. No, it's good. Is it good? Number one teeny Howard hater of the past, Dallas Taylor, <laughs> has turned over a new leaf. Damn. Knights of X, probably my third favorite X book right now. Wow. Holy shit. It's so the one with the Sentinels. Like, if you're like, where is the hating mutants? <laughs> it's in Knights of X. It's so fun. That's surprising. I, I will check it out then. Listen, I didn't think I'd be saying all this, but here I am. Loving Knights of X. I'm surprised that, I guess, a side tangent or rant or whatever, but I'm surprised that they don't have a multiversal x-men book yet you would think they would do that like have um what's the name blink lead mm-hmm. that do like an exile yeah exiles what happened yeah. to exiles i'm surprised they haven't brought that back again unless yeah. that's what exterminators is gonna be but i have no idea what exterminators is about to be honest yeah me neither it looks fun though i will say actually knights of x might be my fourth favorite because new mutants is probably mm-hmm. my third favorite new mutants, i, have to, I still have to catch up on that oh did they change the writer on that who the hell is this new writer Danny Lore. Is that... I wonder if that's permanent. I hope not. I mean, actually, I I don't want to say, like, you know, fuck Danny Lore. I don't know Danny Lore. But, you but know, if, if Vita I just like the current writer. If Vita is gone after this magic arc, I am going to be a sad, sad fellow. Yeah. Because, honestly, I think Vita has been killing it. So, yeah. wherever Vita goes, I'm happy for them. I hope they find numerous blessings. But I would be very sad if this... Is not still their book because term. Yeah, that would be interesting. But Danny Lore is also um, a black queer writer. Uh, pronouns are they them as well. So wait. Oh, uh, I'll do more research on this because. I'm a little confused. I'm not gonna lie. TBD, folks. TBD. Um, are you excited for Judgment Day, Avengers vs. X Men vs. Eternals? I am excited for Judgment Day. I think Eternals is like the best Marvel book out right now. It's been nonstop amazing. I think that. Sorry. Uh, on the side i'm still looking into danny lore and it feels like they're related to vita somehow but i can't tell how because they also worked on james bond which was also vita's book before so my impression right now is that maybe vita changed their name but i don't see anything to confirm that so as of now i'm still considering danny lore as a separate person but I'm not going to lie, I am very confused. So that's something to look into uh, elsewhere. So I apologize for that uh, sidetracking. So, you know, uh, thank you, Danny Lore, for writing New Mutants. But sorry, what was the question? I got really distracted. <laughs> well, now you got me. All right, I'll vamp. <laughs> Dallas, you do the research real quick. Um, yeah, so Eternals, if you're not reading Eternals, is amazing. Uh, the first volume is, 
I think pretty good opener if you don't know anything about Eternals. I read the one Neil Gaiman um, Eternals run, but besides that, I don't know anything about them. This really sets up the status quo, what they are right now in the Marvel Universe, and sets the stakes going forward. Um, in Volume 2, um, without spoiling anything, I think you're going to be surprised about who the villain, the main villain is, and what they get up to, and how the Eternals had to react to that. So all the setup so far has felt very like everything standalone, like Eternals could be read by itself without ever reading any of the X-Men or anything else, but... I think if you want to really get ready for Judgment Day, then you want to read Immortal X-Men as well. That's been really setting up the stakes going forward and how, and Gillen's writing both of these right now, Kieran Gillen. So it makes sense why they feel like they could be interconnected. Um, the only missing piece I think is Avengers where Jason Aaron is doing his entirely different thing. He's still on Avengers Forever, which is obviously amazing. I, I like Avengers Forever. I don't like his current Avengers run, but Avengers Forever is very fun. Um, so... I think Judgment Day is going to be very exciting. And it's probably going to be the only Marvel event that I'm actually interested in for the next like three years, unless you count Spider-Verse, which I do not right now. They're just very good friends. Okay, cool. Yeah, sorry about that, everybody. That's on me. I just was very confused because I saw them both on James Bond and I didn't know if I missed something. So I apologize for that. That's on me. I mean, I was confused as well. Okay. It's all about alone, so. Yeah, we're both dumb together. I think X Men is in an exciting place, and I don't. I trust Kieran Gillen. I trust Al Ewing. I, I will be the first to admit I was very skeptical when Jonathan Hickman was walking away from Krakoa, mm-hmm. but I honestly I think that Destiny of X has been a stronger era than Reign of X was. So I agree. I I think it's pretty much on par with Dawn of X for me and not quite as good as House of X Powers of 10, but also I shouldn't smash my art into each other to see which is stronger. So (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely gonna be hard. I think if X-Men Red's going the way I think it's going for this first volume, at least in the general quality, I think X-Men Red's going to be the best X-Men book um, in forever. Like I think it's going to be better than House of X and Power and Power of X, but I think that's something that's very hard to say, and I don't think that's ever going to be a stance I'm ever going to officially take. But I think I'm going to enjoy X-Men Red a lot more than I did most of the Hickman era. And that's what I respect. You know, you all know how I feel about the Hickman era. I don't have to go on a huge tangent about it, but it's all it's all love and respect. You know, thank you, Hickman, for setting this up and everything. Uh, but, you know, Ewing, uh, Ewing, Ewing's doing his thing. You know? That's all I'm going to say. Al Ewing is not a white man. We would like to reiterate. Yeah, Ewing is uh, very much a black man. We're claiming him. If he's not, we're claiming him. That's all I got to say on that. But he is, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I still every time he comes up, it brings me joy that I wasn't the only person that thought that. Yeah, I was for surprised. a very long time. I thought for a long time too, and I thought I was the only one for a while until I finally spoke my piece on Twitter.com, and people said, <laughs> "Yeah, he's not black." What? And I was like, "Yeah." I'm not alone. We're all out here. Man, this is my Top Gun Maverick, too. It is. Um, I also had the same thought about James Tynan until I saw a picture of James Tynan. I was not confused about James Tynan, but I did (laughs) assume he was very queer uh, based on how he writes uh, queer characters. And I was right. So, you know, 
I'm the best. I can't lose. Two for two. <laughs> I'm counting out Ewing. I'm not giving it up. <laughs> Until he comes here and punches me in the face and tells me to stop, I won't stop. Or if he has, like, you know, just in general to stop, then I'll stop, obviously. Um, I don't yeah. think you're wrong, though. The other thing I want to highlight is uh, the X-Men and Moon Girl, I think, is very cool. I, th- I like what they're doing with Moon Girl and Miss Marvel, where they're doing Miss Marvel and Wolverine, Miss Marvel and Moon Knight, Moon Girl and X-Men. I think it's a good way of getting Moon Girl and Miss Marvel out there again. Miss Marvel being kind of in a hiatus of between ongoings right now. Obviously, it's not that... I think a lot of people want to spin it to being like, oh, Miss Marvel is canceled and now there's no ongoing right now. That's not what happened. She had an ongoing that did did well. And then there was a mini, and they're waiting for the show to start. And now the show started, so they're trying to figure out what they want to do next. The ongoing was always going to come. It was just a matter of when. So an ongoing is coming up probably by the end of the year. But in the meantime, it's kind of cool to have these in a merry one-shot adventures where we just get to see Miss Marvel. Hopefully, I don't know if it's by different authors or creative teams each time, but it would be nice to see new creative teams try out Miss Marvel and Miss Marvel interacting with the larger Marvel universe. The same with Moon Girl. I also, I think something, we don't always know what's going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And there very much could be that there is not a compelling Miss Marvel pitch on the table right now. You know what I mean? Like, there might be creatives that just do not have the time or the story for it right now. I don't think it's malicious. I don't think that somehow this character that was a smash hit, just suddenly Marvel's like, never mind. You know, like. And honestly, her mini was really fun. I really liked her most recent mini. I haven't checked it out yet, but I need to. So it's worth I was it. waiting to see if it was going to be like a bunch of retconning, <laughs> to be honest. So I heard it wasn't. So I was going to check it out. Yeah, it's but... just straight up fun Miss Marvel. Awesome. So, And the Moon Girl cartoon is not getting a lot of marketing right now, but it looks really cute. I don't know if you saw the trailer for that. It does look cute. The animation style looks a lot of fun. And I think Lizzo did the theme song for it. So. Which rules. It's awesome. Yeah. I need to read the original Moon Girl run. I have not read that. It's fun. It's like, um, it reminds me of a lot of, remember when Astonishing, uh, Astonishing Spider-Man, was that what it's called? Mm-hmm. The team-up book he did? Yes, reminds me of that a lot. So, if you like that, yeah. you should like that too. I think my very big uh, run, kind of like that I'm going to read, they just announced the Squirrel Girl omnibus, and it's yeah. the biggest omnibus that Marvel has ever done. Really? And yeah, it's it's huge. It's like sixty issues. It's bananas. Shit, yeah. That mm-hmm. would usually be two omnibuses, but they just threw it into one big nut. Love it. And <laughs> I'm hyped for it. Yeah, I need to read Star Star Girl. Jesus Christ. Squirrel Girl <laughs> And Star Girl. Oh, she's doing okay. I heard there's a sequel. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That's like one of those uh, John Green books, I think. Alright. Anything else for the X Men Corner? That's all my X-Men thoughts. All right. On to Star Wars. We are starting off with Star Wars The Mandalorian number two. Star Wars Han Solo and Chewbacca number six. Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi number four. Star Wars number 26. Star Wars Bounty Bounty Hunters number 26. Star Wars Dr. Aphra number 24. Star Wars Darth Vader number 26. And that's it for the Star Wars Corner. Um, I already praised Darth Vader. I'm going to keep praising Darth Vader. Uh, Dr. Aphra is really good. Uh, Bounty Hunters is also very good. And I haven't started any of the other ones yet. The first issue of Obi-Wan was really fun. I think oh, really? I'm going to wait for it all to be done and for me to read it on, read it on Marvel Unlimited. 
Hmm. Just uh, don't have the time. But yeah. I did like that first issue. Yeah, Star Wars is something I regulated specifically to Marvel Unlimited. I just can't afford all these comics I want to get. So Star Wars had to take the cut, unfortunately. But uh, I might start buying Darth Vader again if I catch up. Because it's very intriguing. I like Darth Vader a lot. He's a cool character. Um, Five-minute tangent. What have you been thinking of the Obi-Wan show? Ooh, uh, no spoilers. Uh, I did watch the three episodes that are out so far. When this releases, there'll be another one. So maybe our opinion will change. I like it. It's a slow burn. Nice Star Wars Western pace. I think, hmm, what is a spoiler for this show? Uh, I don't know if I could say... I don't know if it's technically a spoiler or not. It feels like a spoiler because I didn't know about it going into it. Uh, but it's something you learn the first episode. So I'm not going to say it, but I'll allude to it. But there's a child character in it that I wasn't expecting. And I wasn't sure how to gauge what that dynamic was going to be like between that character and Obi-Wan. And so far, I I think they've knocked it out of the park. I think it's I very uh, well written in that regard. I think Ewan McGregor is the phenomenal actor. And every time he transitions into Obi-Wan, those of you who watch interviews of him talking about it, and then you see him actually playing the character... And the interviews, he's all like with his accent and everything. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm Ewan McGregor, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes to Obi-Wan's like, yes, I'm Obi-Wan. And you're like, oh, this is great. It's like he <laughs> transitions so perfectly. And you're like, that's he's an amazing actor. So uh, I think everyone's doing a good job. There's like nitpicks with some of the editing specifically. Um, but it feels like edits that are like, well, we're out of time. Just use it. It's not that bad. And most people, like I noticed it, but it wasn't like, what the fuck? This ruined the show. But apparently it ruined it for some other people who really wanted the show to be bad, I think. So, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a good show, though. It's fun. It's the... Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is very good at showing me things that I like mm-hmm. and showing them in ways that I like them. Mm-hmm. Like, and ultimately... Like, I don't... I don't think I will remember this in the same way I remember the original two Star Wars movies. No. You know, but like... I like it better than Book of Boba Fett. And I like it about as much as I liked Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah, I like it more than Mandalorian Season 2. I like it more than most of the Mandalorian Season 1. But I'm also, I've been the guy that has been enjoying Star Wars, but hasn't been sold on how amazing these shows have been yet. So it's all just been like enjoyable stuff for me. And I don't know, all this stuff is also things that, like people will complain about it when they're watching the show. But these are things that always happen in the extended lore. Not in the sense like literal things are happening that happen in the standard lore, but like these type of vibes. They're like, they're all, Obi-Wan would never fight so-and-so because this happened in this. And you're like, well, you know, in extended lore, this, these things always happen. Like it gets, it doesn't take away from the movies. If you don't want to enjoy one, you could just, you know, not watch it. You could like, obviously criticism is welcomed and makes sense for some of them. Some of them that I don't agree with at all, but I think people just want to, dislike this show more than they are letting on uh and for why there's i'm sure a bunch of reasons that i don't care about (laughs) yeah i'm liking it i always i go into star wars shows wanting to like them like Mm -hmm. of everything they're probably the thing i watch the least cynical and the most like you really have to like drag me down to make me not like a star wars show you know Mm -hmm. And ultimately, none of them have done that. I've liked them all on different levels. And this is one that I'm liking quite a bit. So I'm excited about it. And Star Wars comics are excellent. Mm. I have 
It's been so exciting to point people to Star Wars comics over the last two weeks. People keep texting me like, what do you think of the show? And I keep being like, it's so good. The the character that shows up in episode three (laughs) is so much like how they are in their solo comic. And people are like, there's comics for that? And I have gotten so many people to start reading comics specifically through a solo Star Wars comic written by Kieran Gillen that otherwise wouldn't be reading comics. So it's been a more specific. (laughs) It's been a fun time for people to start seeing a red lightsaber and black helmet (laughs) on the comic page. Great times. 100%. Also, the the stinger at the end of episode two was so good. Oh, hell yes. It was, oh my God, that hit me hard. I was like, holy shit. Like, we all knew it was coming, but at the same time, I was like, holy shit, <laughs> it's awesome. I was um, surprised. I I really liked Obi-Wan, but for some reason, that character in episode three didn't hit quite the same way mm. that he has other times. And I, I He I felt can't sidelined in the third movie, didn't he? Obi-Wan? You know, I'm talking about the other character. That oh, out. okay. I was hmm. kind of like... Why aren't you hitting for me in the way I want you to be hitting for me? Man, I, I love episode three. I know we're not supposed to like the prequels because it's cool not to like them, but I like the prequels, at least the second and third one. Uh, and also like Darth Maul in the first one is so good. But, you know, I, I think he did good. That was the only time he had an actual script to work with, it felt like. Because, um, you know, George Lucas wasn't writing anything special for the second one. That's for damn sure. But No, he wasn't. I, yeah. I really like Revenge of the Sith, too. It's up there for me. Yeah. All Star Wars is a little bit shitty, guys. Just yeah. throwing it out there. But I Honestly, like it. yeah. That's my other big thing, is that like people are always complaining about like the sacredy of Star Wars lore and blah, 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 and George Lucas' vision. And it's a cash grab, guys. It's designed to sell toys. The first one had heart, and obviously... And like obviously, like the fourth... like they're, they're good movies are in there, obviously. But at the end of the day, the third movie in the entire trilogy, or the entire saga had teddy bears that they made specifically to sell to children you know like it's it's a marketing tool at the end of the day so i understand you want to hate disney we all do and i understand you want to hate big corporations we all do you know and you want to be mad because star wars is what you remember it to be but unfortunately it was always designed to sell toys and as soon as you accept that and just accept that you know it is what it is the more the better you're gonna feel and again i'm not saying the criticism criticism isn't undignified or unjustified but it's kind of just like you gotta choose your battles at some point so like i'm I'm critical of it but at the same time i just let it go immediately because i'm like i know what i'm buying into i'm buying into this fucking marketing strategy and that's what it is so here's what it is i think a lot of heartache could be dodged if more of us myself included at times were willing to accept that it is not the art's fault that it doesn't make us feel how it made us feel when we were 10 years old anymore. Like the thing that is meant for 10 year olds isn't affecting you how it did when you were 10. Yeah. Maybe just watch some stuff intended for 30 year olds. You know what Mm. I mean? (laughs) Like you can watch both. I, I like watching both, but just like if, if you just want your media to grow up with you, you're missing out on a lot of great stuff. Yeah. So that's the Obi-Wan corner. Uh, anything else to say? No. 
Star Wars comics are good. We can get into miscellaneous. Hell yeah. Miscellaneous comics, here we come. Starting off with Axe, Judgment Day number three. Axe, Judgment Day number four. Axe, Death to the Mutants, number two. Avengers number 59. Avengers number 60. Avengers Forever number nine. Savage Avengers number four. Ant-Man number three. Black Panther number nine. Captain America Symbol of Truth number four. Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number three. Damage Control number one. Uh, Daredevil number three. Defenders Beyond number three. Fantastic Four number 47. New Fantastic Four number four. Fortnite X Marvel Zero War number three. Fortnite X Marvel Zero number Zero War number four. Uh, Genis, Genis Vell is Captain Marvel number three. Ghost Rider Vengeance Forever number one. Ghost Rider number seven. Hulk number 10. Iron Cat. Iron Cat number three. Iron Man number 23. Captain Marvel number 41. Miss Marvel and Moon Knight number one. Moon Knight number 14. Moon Knight Black, White, and Blood number four. Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings number two. Strange number six. She-Hulk number six. Punisher number five. Thunderbolts number four. The Variants number three. Thor number 28. Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number three. Alien number one. Predator number two. Ultraman the Mystery Ultra seven number one. Mech Strike Monster Hunters number three. And Wild Cards Drawing of Cards. <laughs> uh, I, I think number one. Rip the Man, I think we all want to talk about is very obviously Wild Cards Drawing of Cards number one. How many cards are they going to draw, Evan? Who knows? It's wild. This Who is, is wild the cards. wild card? I, it could be anybody. Look at this guy. He's on like an Animorph bullshit on the cover. He could be anything. He could be anyone. He could be you. All right. Can I be a hater for a minute? Yeah. Because I got a lot of positive things to say. Let's hate. Let's do it. Donnie Cates has driven I knew the it. door <laughs> to a place that I cannot follow. Anakin. Oh, my God. Anakin, I was literally I... about to say, are we about to talk about Donnie Cates? <laughs> He's like, Donnie Cates. Oh my god. Number one hater era. I was loving Thor. What the hell is going on? Why are we going to Hulkland? Why are we going to Venomland? I was having fun in Midgard and Asgard. Why is this happening to me? I think the Venom makes sense. I don't get the Thor one, or I don't get the Hulk one because I don't read Hulk because I didn't like the first few issues, but Venom makes sense. He's in space. He's a space god. So shouldn't gods fight every once in a while? Or put, up your, put up your dukes. What the hell now, are you talking about? Are you talking to me? Yes, you. What do you mean? Venom's a god right now. It is so stupid. Spider-Man's underpants. I don't underpants. care if it's stupid. He's a god. <laughs> Spider-Man's underpants needs to stay away from what I'm doing. Now, that's reductive. Because you know he was only Spider-Man's underpants for exactly 60 issues. That... <laughs> <laughs> that black goo was always meant to be a god of space. He was actually only a villain for one volume. And then he became an anti-hero. And yada, yada, yada. <laughs> he is the lethal protector. Which, you know, to be fair, that's a very good title. It's, uh, it's cool. pretty dope. They should call the Punisher that. Listen. Listen. I'm going to be the guy that beat up Frank Miller to Donny Cades. If it helps him make better art, I'll do it. Just kidding. That's, that's not why Cade. you're doing it. That's Matt Draper. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to base yourself to be a hero. No, you're the villain. <laughs> that's Matt Draper's job, actually, is to fight <laughs> Donny Cades. Shout out Matt Draper. I don't Shout know if you Matt listen Draper. to this, but... Love you, buddy. I hope so. I like Matt. He's cool. He's a good guy. Yeah. All right. That's all my hater that I've got inside me. All right. My hater thing is, why is Pete David 
Peter David keeps getting work. I haven't like I don't get why he keeps getting like these like Jenna's Bell, Captain Marvel, he's doing new Fantastic Four. No, actually not even disrespect to Peter David. Like, who's reading this stuff though? I'm just curious. I'm I'm assuming it's the same people are reading X-Men Legends, because apparently they exist. So that's my hater juice for the day. I have always been a bigger Marvel fan than DC fan. And yet somehow DC has decided we're going to make queer books that young people are excited in. And Marvel has really nailed down, like, we're going to make the year 1994 again. Yeah. (laughs) And Marvel, you're losing that fight. It ain't good. Yeah. Who? Yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree on that hater point. All right. No more hating. What's what's some uh, non-hater aid we want to sip on? Uh, Punisher's great. Yeah. It's worth... You haven't checked it out yet? I read the first two issues. Really oh, you like that, that stinger at the end of the number, number two? It's good. That's a good one. It's oh, good. man. I, was, whoo, I love Punisher. I don't care what anyone says. That's my controversial uh, choice, I guess, of character. I don't care if it's whatever. I just, I like the character. You know, I wish cops would stop using the symbol. He's not your hero. He shouldn't be anyone's hero. He's not my hero. I wouldn't, if the guy was a real person, I'd condemn him in a minute. But for a comic character, he's a lot of fun. And he does fun things. A lot of murder, which is fun. So, I love Punisher and Jason Aaron. If you don't like Jason Aaron's uh, adventure run, and you're saying, damn, I wish he was writing a Thor again, Punisher is that Thor. So, check out Punisher. Some people are better at just writing singular character pieces. Mm. And Jason Aaron is that. And he's doing a great job with Punisher. He's doing a great job. Um, we already kind of talked about it up in the X line, but Judgment Day looks really fun. I refuse to pick up anything that I wasn't already picking up mm. other than the event and Death of the Mutants, because I'm pretty sure that's just the continuation of Eternals. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so any time, like the Avengers Titans, I'm not reading that shit. But I am going to read main title and Death of the Mutants and then whatever X-Men books cross over with that. And I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. I'm in the same boat, I think. Uh, what did uh, you think of Savage Avengers number one? Ooh, I love Savage Avengers number one. So David kept saying that uh, one of his inspirations was Predator for this run. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting to see like what the uh, Predator homages were going to be like. And you don't have to wait. Even two pages in, immediately you see Deathlock standing in an urban environment, um, just silhouette, silhouetted by lightning, just like in like that Predator famous, you know, scene from the second one. So I was just like, all right, I get it. We're into this now. So it's very much just like, it's not like, I want to say it's a homage to like action films and like 80s and 90s flicks, but it has that energy. Uh, it's it feels like Predator. It feels like Die Hard. It feels like everything that David said that it was going to feel like. That's what it feels like. So, um, and he's also just like he does really good well with teams so far. So I'm very excited to see more of it. I have no idea where it's going either. Yeah, I I have a bit of a peek behind the curtain for where it's going, Ooh. and all I'm going to say is. Everyone, please buy this book because we're guaranteed <laughs> getting two volumes. Oh, nice. But the pitch of volume three, which is dependent on sales, is the raddest shit I've ever heard. Hell so, yeah. like, please buy this book. It's it's very fun. Yeah, I've been pushing this book 
harder than I think I've pushed any other book in a long time because I love David's previous work and this book is super good so far. And the lineup alone was something unique that I liked. So I was immediately pushing for it, but I'll push harder if I have to, whatever, whatever we need to do, I'll get it done. But still over here in David Pepo's corner, Fantastic Four number 47 is written by David Pepos. It is Sue Storm is John McClane stuck Mm. in the Baxter building. It's awesome. I think it's going to be pretty rad. I think it's going to be pretty rad. I'm excited to see how he writes. uh, Like, this is my favorite family of characters, you know? So I'm excited to see how he writes it. And if it means, you know, maybe maybe uh, he'll be succeeding somebody. I don't know. We'll see. I think Christopher Cantwell's the next one that's going to write Fantastic Four. Oh, man. No no hate to Christopher Cantwell. His Iron Man's pretty good. But also at the same time, his Iron Man fumbled a little bit for me um, to be, like, very nice about it. But I don't think... I mean, I would love to be proven wrong. I just don't think that's the exciting choice that I would want to see next. Uh, But I I would want to hear Cantwell's vision before I completely judge. Did you read that one shot I told you to read? The road uh, trip one. The trip one. Fantastic Four road trip by Christopher Cantwell oh. and Philippe Andrade. No, I didn't read that yet. Dog, it's but, so good. All right, I'll read it. You, I'll read it. Sorry, fellow, you, earlier today you said Al Ewing might like. What if Al Ewing wrote the next Fantastic Four run? And immediately I was just like, well, now I can't think of anybody else. I want that so bad, but I think he's in space for a while. Yeah, probably. I mean, Fantastic Four could go to space. Oh, well, I wouldn't even be mad. Eh? Listen, I'm just saying, it could happen. It wouldn't be the first time. And they'd be good there. Um, I feel like a lot of these solicits are books that are about to start. So I just, for the third month in a row, I'm like, I'm very excited for Defenders. I'm very excited for Ant-Man. <laughs> I'm very excited for Zdarsky to come back to Daredevil. But, yeah. like, I don't have anything concrete to talk about yet. Yeah, I'm in a silver boat, I think. Um... The only thing I'm trying to think if there's anything I want to talk about, but yeah, no. Like if you if you're not reading Shang Chi by now, you should be reading Shang Chi. That's so uh, good. Strange is good. People like Moon Knight. Uh, Where do you land on Moon Knight? I don't know yet. Uh, I read up to the first major twist where they revealed who the actual villain is, and then I stopped. But that twist changed my because before that I wasn't a fan. I love Jim McKay's work. His Taskmaster Taskmaster mini is one of my favorite minis of all time. It's just mad fun. And it made me fall in love with his character all over again. But with Moon Knight, I feel like the writing isn't hitting um, what I imagine Moon Knight to be. Like, if you like the MCU Moon Knight, I think you'll love this uh, his run so far on the ongoing because it feels more in line with that kind of tone. Um, I don't think that's entirely fair to say, but if I had to compare between, like, previous Moon Knight tones and like what it is now, I would say it's more similar to the MCU than previous tones, which isn't a bad thing for the comic. It it works apparently. People really like it, but I don't think I have been sold on it yet, but with the reveal of who the villain is, I think that could change my uh, position, but I have to wait for more to come on tomorrow Unlimited before I can have an actual stance on it. I would agree. One of my very favorite comics is Jeff Lemire's Moon Knight run with Greg Smallwood. Mm. Um, and that is the complete opposite of what Jed McKay is doing. Yeah. And so I I very much understand why people are liking Jed McKay's Moon Knight. I think there is a lot to like. But I, I don't think the spectacle is big enough for me to sign up for a character that I don't 
care about in that way yet. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I don't, I like Moon Knight. I've liked all the Moon Knight I've read, but he's not someone who I like intrinsically love. And right. so for this run to be a lot of really big, cool scenes, but like not a lot of internality from Moon Knight, in my opinion, yeah. has made me less interested in it than a lot of other people are. I could feel that. I, I guess I'm in a similar boat then. Because Moon Knight's not like a character I love, love, but there's like runs of Moon Knight that I love. So Yeah. I'm the same. I think I'm going to read the original run pretty soon, and I'm probably going to put my energy into that instead of the current run. Yeah, not a bad idea. Um, I'm excited for the variants. I'm excited for Gail Simone to be writing comics again. Yeah. I think Phil Noto is an excellent artist. Oh yeah, that's a good combo. I'm excited to see what Jim Zub has up for the Thunderbolts. Uh, I think the first issue of that comes out this month. If it hasn't come out already and I missed it. But it seems fun. It's a fun lineup. So we'll see. What do you think of Predator? Are you hopeful? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I love Predator. I've been waiting for this comic for a minute. Ever since they bought Predator, I was like, I need that comic. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Uh, it looks like they're going to space, which was unexpected. I thought they were going to go back to like, I thought they were going to do the thing that all Predator books do, which is like, oh, it's on Earth. And, you know, we're fighting humans again, and he's being hunted again. But now he's now he's the Predator again, uh, and now he's the Prey again. And I thought they were going to do that, which is, which is good. It works. I love those books. But um, it seems like he's going to be doing something a little bit different this time. Um, so I'm excited to see what they have actually in store. And hopefully it really feels like, you know, a Predator work again. I'm very excited for it. I I love Predator. It's a franchise that even the worst things speak to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like unapologetic Alien versus Predator super fan. Oh yeah. Love that movie. And I recently read Batman versus Predator for the first time, and that was a perfect comic book. No oh, notes. Yeah. Possibly the greatest work of western art ever. And so I'm interested to see if Predator can be a compelling protagonist. Because all of my favorite pieces of Predator media are the Predator is the slasher villain against my mm. protagonist. That's and a good point. so yeah. it seems like this comic book is making Predator the POV character. And maybe I'm wrong, but that seems like a really interesting angle to take. And I'm interested to see how the story remains compelling while making Predator the POV. Like, is he going to be Space Punisher? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't think Predator is going to be the POV, but I do hope he is. Because I, I agree with you. We haven't seen that angle yet, or I haven't at least seen that angle. So it would be nice to get that. Um, but I think, oh, I feel like someone else will be the, the protagonist. Oh, it looks but, like this, a, a woman named Theta sounds yeah. like she's going to be the protagonist. So, yeah. never mind. I, Everything I just said is false. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Maybe the first issue will be. We I'm will sorry. see. Um, yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about Marvel in general. Because okay. I feel like outside of the X office, there there isn't a cohesion of quality. And like I'm not I'm not even saying like a continuity. I'm I don't love continuity. I don't really care. But like I came in 
to Marvel Comics during the Marvel Now era, where it felt like every book had a larger purpose and a stamp of quality that I appreciated. Like Jason Aaron's Thor was incredible. Jonathan Hickman's Avengers was incredible. Superior Spider-Man was incredible. Matt Fraction's Hawkeye was incredible. And like all of them seemed to be pushing forward with a purpose. And I just, I don't feel like that quality is as there right now. Like I feel like there's a lot of good comics, but they sort of feel like they're on autopilot. Mm. I sort of like, I don't love, love many of these books in the way that I have in the past. Like I think one of Marvel's, if not Marvel's most consistently good book is Captain Marvel. And I think that is a solid like B plus comic. Hmm. And that's again, outside of the X office. I've really liked a lot of X-Men books lately, but I don't know. Is that just a me feeling or do you feel like Marvel's been in like a weird state for a minute? Yeah, it's hard for me to say, like, not specifically, but uh, maybe directly if I agree or not, because I just haven't been reading as much new Marvel or DC recently. I've been mostly reading new indie or just back reading older books, like the Darth Vader's I've been rereading, Usagi Ujimba I'm rereading right now. So it's a little bit harder for me to say, but I, I mostly agree with you i think it does feel like they're a little bit on autopilot there's nothing daring happening outside of like the little bit of the x office eternals is being a little daring but there's no immortal hulk going on right now there's no vision uh we don't have even superior spider-man there's nothing like that that's actually challenging any type of status quo it's just more of well we're marvel here's what we do here's spider-man it's spider-man again here's oh wait is silk canceled there's not a silk going on right now. I think the mini ended oh, shit. and we're in between minis again. Oh, I thought it was a mini that we were doing an ongoing. I thought we were in the ongoing right now. Uh-oh. I did not see her on the solicits. So I hope that's not an issue. Uh, <laughs> I hope they're coming back. Um, you know, but even like even silk, which I like, is still just being like, well, it's still a silk story. Miles Morales is kind of being challenging, but the tone is still so consistent. Like things are happening in Miles Morales that are huge and going to be huge for the character but it's not being marketed much is i think the bigger thing and also the tone of the book still feels exactly the same despite it being like oh we're going to the multiverse oh there might be a bad evil version of miles morales out there and stuff you're supposed to go holy shit every issue but instead you're like yeah it's good stuff so I, i guess i'm feeling it but it's not something i've really coordinated with or thought on yet I just, it feels odd to me as someone who, again, when I came into comics, we were at the beginning of the New 52 and Marvel Now. Mm -hmm. And it was very clear to me where the quality books were. And I have felt that shift to where, like, my most anticipated release this week we're recording is Aquaman Andromeda, number one. Mm -hmm. And that feels bizarre to me that a week that Spider-Man and Aquaman are coming out, I'm more excited about Aquaman. And I just, I feel like there are more exciting, higher quality books coming out at DC right now. And I don't know. It just, it really just feels like Marvel's on autopilot. And I feel like I noticed a couple weeks ago and even just like looking at these solicits, there are some really high quality miniseries coming out that I'm excited Mm -hmm. about, but like the best ongoing, like I said, Captain Marvel's really great. Shang-Chi is actually really excellent as well. Yeah. 
but like i don't know i just something feels off something feels missing mm-hmm. to me and I think, I can't remember if we actually talked about this last month or not, but we were talking about um, how they use minis differently. Was that us talking about yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I think that's a little bit more going into that would be, you know, DC is the team that is, or is a publisher that's more focusing on, here's a creative team for these characters. Let's let them go off and do their thing. So you get different tones because of that. So even though I, I don't like, you know, Tom King personally, you know, he's allowed to like adventure with these different tones he wants to do. He's doing, uh, what's that? Oh, he did Strange Adventures, Batman, Catwoman, uh, Human Target, and that new one, House of Whatever, that's coming out, the Doctor Fate one. Is that? Mm-hmm. Am I am I right about that? I can't remember the name of it. But you know, they're all different. They're all Tom King, but they're all like different styles and tones. And Andromeda with Chris with Chris Ward uh, and uh, Ron B. They're allowed to experiment with those. So you get all these like different minis that they're allowed to experiment with drastically. They're all experimentations and some of them lead into new stories, but most of them are just like, here's a new wild idea. Let's try it out. And people are coming to it. But for Marvel, every Marvel mini so far has just been, this is a tie into something else. This is a spinoff of something else. This is leading into something else, either an ongoing, an event or something. It's all just still connected. It's all webs you have to follow through. And I think because of that, all the tone is very consistent. I can't remember the last time I read a, a Marvel comic. It must have been a Mortal Hulk. was the last time I read a Marvel comic and said, this is not a Marvel comic. This is something different. This feels different. So, and just... that goes for all of my favorite, like even like Eternals, which I love, or everything by Al Ewing. It still feels just like Marvel, even though I think they're elevated. But sorry, go ahead. No, I agree with you. I... Again, this is something that Brian K. Vaughn said in an interview. It was a really great interview. But he said he felt a little bit like many comic book companies are acting like IP farms fronting mm. as comic book companies right now. Yeah. Like, ultimately, they are there to pay comic creators to create, like, a pseudo idea farm for other media that they respect more. Yeah, And I can't help but feel like that's what's going on at Marvel right now. And it almost it's almost like DC's like, well, we shit the bed with our movies, so we might as well make our comics great. <laughs> Whereas Marvel's like, we make money on everything. So yeah. like, keep throwing money at those people so they make ideas that will adapt later. And I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't feel a spark for it right now. And it'll yeah. come back in a few years, just like right in this moment. Yeah. I'm missing it at Marvel. I also think it doesn't help that Marvel didn't, like not to shit on DC, but they didn't have much competition after New 52. Like in terms of, like they're those are the big two. They've always been the big two. So besides like the Walking Dead and Saga at the time, there wasn't really indie companies coming up being like, we're going to take these big two to task and show them like that we can stand up next to them, which also isn't a, a, like to shame indie companies at the time. Like, you know, it was, it's a hard industry to, like, beat each other at. You know, it's a competition, though. But after New 52 and New 52 hype di- died down, Marvel kind of took over that hype. Because they had all new, they had uh, Marvel Now, uh, all new now, all those other different things they had where DC started to, like, see people kind of jumping ship because New 52 wasn't exactly what they expected. And they didn't get that back till Rebirth. And then Rebirth wasn't what people expected, so they lost it again. So DC kept having these peaks and then quick drops and peaks and quick drops where Marvel was, every time there was that drop, Marvel was just getting hyped up, plateaued, hyped up, plateaued. 
So Marvel kept getting rises from that while DC kept dipping until I think until Infinite Frontier when finally DC was like, "All right, here's what we got. Here's what we're doing. Look at our new plan." And now DC's back on the rise. And I think Marvel is now feeling the effects of that. And at the same time, indie companies are coming up and being like, "Well, we could do this too. If you guys don't like what they're doing, you know, check out what we got. We got firepower. We got somebody's killing the children. I think really changed the game. I don't know where that like. I don't know why everyone just hopped onto that book for some reason. It's a great book." But that everyone was just like, well, yeah, we all love something's killing children now. We're all reading this. It's going to sell out and do five printings of each book now. And the Jenny Frisian covers will be cost like $200 in the aftermarket. <laughs> so I don't know what happened, but I think a lot of people are starting to see that there's more competition and Marvel still hasn't gotten into their head that they're not the top dog anymore. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't know. I do. I think that's a very solid point of yours. The quality of creator-owned comics has also been not raised because like some of the greatest comics of all time have been coming out from creator-owned comics for a while yeah. but like there are a ton of good books you know and yeah it also just i i know behind the scenes i know marvel pays less for <clears throat> yeah. artists and writers they get less money from their work being ad- adapted at Marvel than yeah. they do DC. Like DC pays more money. And so a lot of the best creatives working right now are at DC. And again, that it goes to show me that the creator often means more than the character. Because yeah. again, I do not care about Aquaman. Sorry, Anne. But <laughs> I do care a lot about Ron V and Christian Ward. Yeah. So. I agree. And to like, also to like to really put in perspective for people that don't know how little Marvel pays, uh, Jim Starlin got paid more for KGB Beast being used in uh, Batman vs Superman than he did for Thanos getting used for all twenty hundred fucking MCU movies so far. So, yeah, um, it's not good. <laughs> Neil Adams was paid, I think, n- nothing for his people being used in Marvel movies and was paid $100,000 for Ra's al Ghul in Batman Begins. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so DC is actually paying people for the work they're taking and Marvel is not doing a great job at it. They're so. not. Disney's not interested in paying these creatives. Ed Brubaker no. had to text Sebastian Stan to let him into the premiere of The Winter Soldier. Yeah, which is insane. Which is a character he created. Yeah. So. <laughs> Bananas. Banana pants. I don't know. I never got it. But that's why we don't like corporations around here. Unless they're making Top Gun Maverick 2. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Top Gun Rooster was the next one? I don't know. I like it. My roost between Top Gun Maverick and RRR, my wife finally signed off on me trying to grow a mustache. So finally. I'd like to thank those two movies. And... Uh, <laughs> The beard growing serum I bought that will hopefully <laughs> thicken this baby up. Also, talk, to talk about Top Gun Maverick, just like a like a very 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 small spoiler. It's not a spoiler at all. But there's two characters who are looking at a picture of like Tom Cruise next to Goose, and they're try- they're finally putting together that Rooster is Goose's uh, son, 
And the only way you can realize that they recognize it is because they have the same mustache. And me and Emily or my girlfriend, we just burst out laughing at the time. It was we were just like dying of laughter. Because we were like, this is the only reason they recognize them, not because like the last names or anything. I actually don't remember if they had the same last names. I don't think so. But still. It's perfect. Perfect it's movie. It's a perfect movie. Blackbuster <laughs> of the year. Oh, loved it. Well, should we talk about the high quality big two? I never thought I'd be saying that. Never, but yeah, it's not what you It's more fun to hate DC. I don't know why. It's not the same, but it feels fun to bully DC because they feel like they should be the big two, big two. You know, like they feel out between Marvel and DC. DC always felt like they were the more pristine comic books, I guess, out there because DC, like Watchmen and stuff. DC feels like the Lakers. Like yeah. you don't like the Lakers, you want the Lakers to lose. Yeah. But then they score another three. So here we are. All right. I can read these off. Let's do it. All right. Batman Corner. Batman 126. Batman One Bad Day, The Riddler. Number one. Batman Dear Detective. Detective Comics 1063. Batman Fortress. Number four. Batman Killing Time. Number six. Batman The Night. Number eight. I Am Batman. Number 12. Batman Beyond, Neo Year, number five. Batman Superman, World's Finest, number six. Where's Deathstroke? Oh, Sword of Azrael, number one. <laughs> Sword of Azrael, Dark Knight of the Soul, number one. Batgirls, number nine. Batman, Urban Legends, number 18. That's how many books there are, is I thought we were done, and we weren't even close to being done. Yeah, I did split up the... All right, so Dallas walked... I, I fucked up, because I didn't highlight... Uh the name so dallas couldn't tell that we transitioned from batman to bat family um but i did have a joke in here where instead of saying bat family i had the bat crossed out and it said harley so it's a harley fan and you'll see why once dallas reads it off all right go ahead dallas batman white knight presents red hood number two catwoman number 46 catwoman lonely city number four that book's amazing uh deathstroke inc number 12 Anne's favorite book uh, Future State Gotham, number 16. Harley Quinn, number 18. Harley Quinn, number 19. Harley Quinn, number 20. Harley Quinn, number 21. Harley Quinn, 2022, annual number one. Harley Quinn, the animated series, the real sidekicks of special, number one. That's the funniest shit of the year. <laughs> Poison Ivy, number three. Uh, Nightwing's Big Old Butt, number 95. Hmm. Uh, Robin number seventeen, Action Comics number ten forty six. All right, we're done. <laughs> Hold on, sorry, I messed up. I keep messing up. I didn't highlight again the title, so let's do the Batman and the Bat Family real quick. All right, what do you like? Uh, man, there's so much. First and foremost, the swimsuit issue covers very nice. I'm very fan of these. The Batgirls one is very cute. The Catwoman one is Catwoman. Uh, the Supergirl one that we didn't see yet is pretty good. And people like to make Nightwing butt jokes, so you guys better buy this goddamn cover, I guess. Or else, like, you guys are all talk. So I'm tired of these damn jokes. That's right. I'm coming for Taz. I'm coming for you. Uh, who makes those jokes? Let's see. Nic- Nicholas, Nicholas Scott? Nicholas Scott does make Nicholas Scott, jokes. you son of a bitch. Stop with the joke. It's not she, funny. It's been funny since... Uh, what year is it? 2022. My sister carry the one. Forever. It was never funny. That's the bit. 
idiots. Sorry. I don't like that joke. It's not funny. I don't get it. I have no feelings about the joke. Uh, it's overused. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, one day, I remember one day it was getting announced and people were ready to hate that it was another Batman book. Um, and they look good. Like they got Riddler. Yeah. They're going to have Penguin. Um, I can't remember anyone else, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of good books. Have you been seeing Mitch Garrett's artwork that he's been trickling out for no. One Bad Day? Holy shit. It, it looks it? incredible. Hell yeah. It looks very good. I'm excited. I think the books are be great. They yeah. look fun. I'm going to read the crap out of that. Okay, Clayface is getting one. Bang got one. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> I love Bang. I love Bang so much. Bang is one of my favorite villains. Bang is so good. Every time the Bang flexes his muscles and mm. says, it's banging time. <laughs> ah, it's time to Bang. I'm going to bang you, Batman. Batman, time to blow your back out while we bang. Oh, Batman. Oh, Batman, what are you doing to me? You're driving me crazy, Uh Batman. Get over Uh. here. Get over here, you. Uh, (laughs) So that's where Nightwing gets his booty. Get over here. Okay, well, hold on a minute. (laughs) I was finding... uh, I I don't want to talk about Nightwing. (laughs) This seems weird now. They're probably wondering why you would shoot Batman. Before throwing him out of a plane. Probably why you should have banned before the boat play. I told you that story, right? No. Oh, really? No. I didn't tell you about my experience like seeing Bane for the first time. No. Tell so, so when Bane was announced for um, you know, the movies, I was very excited. And then mm-hmm. Tom Hardy was casted, and this before I really knew knew about you know race swapping and everything, and the whole controversy between uh, casting Tom Hardy as Bane. Um, you know, I was a younger man. I didn't know better. You know, it happens. I learned. But at the time, I was super excited. I love Tom Hardy. I love Bane. Perfect match. And so I see the first trailer. And the first trailer is only when I watch. So I don't remember what happened. But I remember hearing that people didn't like how Bane sounded in the trailer. Because in the first trailer, he didn't sound like the ah type of person. He was like very and dark and muffler in, in comparison. So people were making jokes that you couldn't understand Bane or Batman, and they sound exactly the same, and it was frustrating. So that's all. I, that was the last time I heard about it. So I went to the movie. I'm excited. I'm going to see Bane. He's not, the plane's happening. I was like, "This is the opener. Oh yeah, we about to get a Bane introduction. They're going like they have all people with the bags in their head and stuff. I'm like, oh, we're going to get a Bane introduction right here. They're going over to the first guy, get a gun to their head. Where is he? Where's Bane? Not going to talk. Bam! You know, toss him to the side and everything. Where's Bane? Come on, answer me! Bam! And then he gets the last bird. He's like, why aren't you answering me? And then, right there, I was like, I could feel it. Bane's coming on. And the only thing you hear is this. The one way you shot a man before throwing him on the plane! <laughs> and my face dropped. I was so excited. Edge of my seat, ready for Bane to come. And then he had this clown-ass dude sound, you know, like he's running out of air. He's speaking so fast and so high-pitched. I was like, what? what's going on here? And then he just talked like that for the whole movie. He's just like, you're a big guy for you. And I was like, this is actually his voice. I thought I just misheard or something. Then after the movie, I'm like looking it up. Like, what happened? Like, did I get the wrong audio or something? That's just his voice. So my experience for that movie was totally one-sided and ruined because of that one moment where I was like, just my expectations were so high for a normal voice, for a normal voice. That's all I needed. And so I got whatever we got. So uh, bad movie. Zero out of 10. <laughs> anyway, Batman 126 looks cool. Batman's dead. I believe it's real and happening. 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Chip Zdarsky, can't go wrong. I'm excited for his run. Rom V Detective Comics, about to be his book of the year. Oh, yeah, it looks good. Batman Killing Time, it's good. I like it. Not Dave Marquez it. art is excellent. I'll take your word for it. I trust you. Yeah. I do like Dave, Dave Marquez, though. I do. But I, I can't keep doing Tom King Batman books. I can't That's do okay. it. He has written more Tom, he's written more Batman than anyone else alive at this point. Oh, God. Oh, God. You might be right. No, I, I am. That oh, is, no. That is 100% right. We got to change that. I got to call somebody. What's Ed Brubaker doing? <laughs> Ed. What's he is the last of hope. He is writing the animated Batman series that's tied into the movie. All right, that counts. Write that down. That counts. <laughs> we're we're keeping it. Keeping the score? Who gets the tally? What's the tally? Write those down. What's that, 12 episodes? Write that down. That's 12. Plus 12 to Ed Brubaker. Because <laughs> Gotham, Gotham Central counts. Got, Batman's in Gotham Central? Write that down. That counts. Who, who's, who's, who's winning now? <laughs> Please. Still I can't do this. There's no way Tom King's the most. Is it true? He is. He did 100%. 80 issues of Batman. And he's done... 12 issues of Batman Catwoman. And six issues of Batman Killing Time. And he's now doing this Riddler book. He's written over 100 issues. And no what about Grant else. Morrison? How much does Grant Morrison run? I think it's 75. That's it? I think so. With Batman Inc. included? Close to like 80. Well, I really like that. We count multiversity. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> scott snyder wrote 60 and Damn. yeah i think grant morrison wrote around 75 honestly let me all right there has to be something we have to what about uh fuck. tom uh, king has written 106 i'm pretty sure that's it i feel like that, that has to be beaten that has to be beatable someone has to have beaten that i can't allow this this can't happen to me I can't it's believe you're missing me. It's a real statistic. There's no way. Anyway. You know what will heal you? Batman what? Superman World's Finest number six. Yeah, World's Finest changed my I changed my tune immediately after the first issue. Second issue was very good. I don't know if I read the third issue, but uh it was also good. Okay. This whole book rules. <laughs> it's very good. It looks it's, pretty too. Yeah, it's probably my favorite DC book, honestly. Yeah. Travis Moore. That or Swamp Thing are my favorites. I haven't started Swamp Thing yet, but it will be, I'm, I'm sure. It is an all-timer. It is the current Immortal Hulk. The book Ooh. that you're reading, that you're like, this is everything a superhero comic can be. Hell yeah. The current premise that has shifted for season two is, you know how there's like the green, the red? Yeah. Uh, and there's, oh, there's, you're talking about this. Yeah, yeah there's the Parliament of Trees. Well, now there's yeah. the Parliament of Gears for yeah. capitalism and how <laughs> humans are killing gear. Which is very cool and very rompy. So, well, well I think we got to talk about the star of the show, right? Harley Quinn. She has I mean, six books this month. <laughs> good for her. Frankly. I don't know why. That's so funny. I know she's doing like a Suicide Squad crossover in her book. So I'm guessing. That had to go weekly because of that. So that is still bananas. That's awesome. Very happy for her. I can't wait to read it. Catwoman Lonely City is awesome. So anytime there's a new issue of that, I feel happier about everything. Cliff Chang is doing everything other than printing and distributing that book, (laughs) which is crazy. And that's not hyperbole. (laughs) 
No, it's not. He's doing a great job. <laughs> I th- I'm pretty sure he even picks the paper quality. I found oh, out recently really? he's like really particular about that. Apparently, hmm. paper girls, they made substantially less than they would have because he refused to print it on anything other than like really nice paper. Hell yeah. Which rules. Good that for Cliff Chang. Yeah. We'll take it. Thank you, Cliff Chang. Blessings upon your head. I'm very excited for Poison Ivy this week. Yeah, that starts this week. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. I want to see what people think. I feel like it's going to be... I hope it's not controversial, but I feel like it's going to be controversial. I just want a book... I miss when books were like, everyone had the same opinion. You know? Back in my day. Everyone liked Spider-Verse and talking on Twitter. Now everyone hates it. What happened? I don't know. So hopefully Poison Ivy changes the tune and everyone's just like, yeah, this is great. We all love it. No one wants to say anything bad about it. And we won't. But I know I that th- won't be true. I think that the fact that Nightwing is as controversial as it is is well, kind of bad. Dope. See, I like okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean that. I have no opinion on Nightwing. I just don't like it. No, you're good, Doug. I, it's just interesting to me to see the divide on this book, right? This book yeah. was nominated for six Eisners. I think Damn. everyone that's not on comics Twitter is pretty enamored with it. But like, it is very much disliked on comics Twitter. And it's, yeah. it's an interesting phenomenon for me to, to observe. Like this book is a top seller. Every comic podcast I listen to is like, this is the greatest book ever. And then comics Twitter is like, if you like this book, I will come to your house. <laughs> I will get under your bed. I will put a single shrimp under your bed and I will leave so that shrimp rots and ruins your life. That's evil. What? Accurate. Yeah, I don't know. Because the criticism isn't unfair and it's not like I don't agree with the criticism, but I do think it's a little bit blown up. But is it blown up for bad reasons? No, I think people are right to be a little upset with, you know, some of the writing uh, definitely no one's upset with the art, which I think is great because the art's amazing. Everyone's having a good time with that. But, you know, I do think some people, and I feel like we say this probably every month, but I do feel like some people do just want to hate extra on the writing where the writing is serviceable at best. And instead of just saying it's like average, everyone's just like, it's the worst thing they ever heard of or ever re- like who writes like that? Blah, blah, blah. It's not good. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I'm just a drama guy and I just don't like that. There's no drama in it. So that's why I don't roll with it, but you know, other people enjoy it. So, like, why not let them vote for it for Eisner's? I guess we could like agree that it doesn't deserve like an Eisner, right? The art deserves the Eisner. art does, yeah. But like, and that's, that's kind of it. I think best single issue for that issue that was one giant image. I think it deserves that. Hmm. I thought that issue was pretty spectacular. Looked very nice. I don't know. Like, there's there's really compelling scripting that goes behind pulling that off as well. You know, like that's a good point too. They are a team that is working together. Whereas, like, the dialogue and the themes may not jive with you. Like, the storytelling mechanics behind pulling off that issue is a joint effort between the two of them. And so i I feel okay saying this issue deserves recognition for challenging the media medium and doing something interesting that both of you had to bring your a games to to pull off i never thought about like that so i think that's actually very fair 
Because like you can also see that again, Bruno. No, I'm not trying to take anything away from Bruno Rodondo. He is a singular talent. But even on like the fill-in issues, you can see artists who don't have that imaginative of layouts in their other books mm-hmm. are following the more imaginative layouts that Bruno Rodondo brings. You can tell that the collaboration between Rodondo and Taylor from stuff like Suicide Squad, stuff like Injustice. Yeah. clearly has taught Tom Taylor how to lay out a book in an interesting way, even when a fill-in artist comes on. And so, I think that's compelling. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. There you go. All right, Nightwing, get one. You get one <laughs> issue, one single issue. <laughs> All right, should I Super Wonder Fam it up? Let's do it. Super Wonder Fam... Action Comics, number 1046. Nice. Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 14. Hmm. Wonder Girl, 2022, annual, number one. You. Olympus, Rebirth, number one. Ooh. Nubia, Queen of the Amazons, number three. Yeah. Wonder Woman, number 790. Black Adam, the just... Oh, nope, that's miscellaneous. <laughs> Never mind. That's so again my bad for the title. No, not Doug. So we got six total. Yeah, it's not a lot. Three each, but yeah, actually three each. That's a good point. Well, no, is that correct? Uh, oh, that make that four for Wonder Woman, two yeah, for two Superman. For, yeah, still no Super Gold book, so we'll see if that ever comes to fruition. But uh, Action Comics War World ends, so that'll be exciting to hear about on Twitter. Um, and Son of Kal-El's thing, so. <laughs> Son of Kalel um, is see. I feel like all the complaints people have for Nightwing, I have for Son of Kalel. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's where I can see it the most. I think with Nightwing, I don't care about that character, and so a lot of people are like this feels like redundant. This feels well. It's not for me. It's my first Nightwing run, and so like it's been very fun for me that way. Yeah, but like I can feel even just how Tom King or sorry, Tom Taylor writes Jonathan Kent is different in this book than how he wrote him in deceased dead planet. Yes. Yeah. Like I can feel that there aren't stakes anymore. I can feel that this book is there to get like Twitter brownie points that it somehow still isn't getting. Yeah. Like it's, it's so clearly being written to a demographic that is not receiving it well. And it feels like it's being written to get attaboys and like, we really did something, Joe. Yeah. You know? And I just, it's frustrating because I do think this is a talented writer. Right. I think he is responding to the tension in the world by trying to make a lot of plain oatmeal comic books. And I just, (laughs) it bums me out. Because again, like, Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo's Suicide Squad is a phenomenal comic book. Yeah. Like they've got it in them. I just Son of Kalel is the one for me that I'm like, I wanna like you, but I just can't. You're so boring. Yeah. Taylor was always gonna fight an uphill battle for this because I don't think anybody wanted John Kent to take this role. I can't think of like first of all, everyone no one wanted him to get aged up, and then no one wanted him to replace Clark Kent. Like, I don't mind that it happened, but it was a weird sudden push that I don't think was justified in universe enough and definitely wasn't justified marketably enough. 
So it was always an uphill battle. But then at the same time, Tom Taylor comes in and writes very cookie cutter, generic, safe writing. Just no real stakes. He doesn't really feel good. It's not very fun. So what are we here for? And it's not like, this is not to shame, you know, the artist on his team, but the artist isn't Bruno Redondo. So the art isn't going to be the most compelling aspect of the book either. So we kind of just have this safe book that works enough, I guess. And it's not even working. So I don't want to, I I don't want to like be very negative, but at the same time, I can't think of anything positive I want to say about the book. I don't think it's really made for anybody. It just feels like it is so content to be the secondary Superman title. Yeah. Like it's very clear that Action Comics is the main title and yeah. that Superman Son of Kal-El is the secondary title. Right. But I feel like there's this catch-22 where Tom Taylor made the decision to make Jonathan Kent bisexual, which I think is compelling and interesting. Mm. But that is enough of a thing that he has to write incredibly safe stories to not piss off one contingent. But in writing those stories, he is not getting the support of the contingent that he made that original decision for anyway. Yeah. You know, like I just, I was, I was listening to an interview with Tom King today where he just, he said like the easiest way to make a boring comic is to write what you think is going to succeed. You know, he's Mm. like, just write what you're interested in, write what you think is going to be good and people are going to love it or people are going to hate it. Like you're never going to make something beautiful by writing what you think other people want you to write. Yeah. And I feel like this book is plagued by writing what Tom Taylor feels like people want to read. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's a very safe book. It does all the things that people should like, and it just doesn't work because he's doing all that. There's no real, it doesn't feel like there's real passion behind it, which is, I think, a shame because it does sound like, like when you hear interviews with Tom Taylor, like talking specifically about like Nightwing, you could hear the passion in there. But when you hear him talk about even like Son of Kal-El, like there's passion, but I don't hear the exact passion that he has for like the story, just for the character. So... I don't think, I think that's translating. Like that energy of him is just coming off in the pages right now. So. Yeah. And he's a, if they want to save John, I I don't want to be mean, but they have to get rid of Tom Taylor. And that's, I'm not saying that as a hater. I love Tom Taylor's work. I love Deceased, love Suicide Squad. I like the art in Nightwing. You know, so and I, lo- I like like his Marvel stuff. I love too, like his Wolverine. I loved it, but he's he's just being too safe with Son of Kal El, and it's very much having an effect. And I I know everyone's trying to dance around it, but it is having an effect on sales. It's not selling the way it should be. The one book that sold out super well was because it was the book that John announced he was bisexual, or like figured out that he was bisexual. So I. I don't want to be one of those people who are like woke police or whatever, or like, ah, SJWs are ruining comics. Cause I don't think that's true at all. But at the same time, if that's this, this book is the, that's like kind of the only thing they're really relying on for sales right now. And I think that's awful. They should hire a bisexual writer who knows how to actually write states without it being, you know, dismissive towards actual LGBT issues or uh, gross if someone dies and they're a different sexuality. But with Taylor, uh allegedly a straight white man you know he's just he just doesn't feel comfortable writing this in a safe way so that's why i'm excited for the dreamer issue because he's a co-writer on that and natalie 
um oops Nellie Maines that sounds oh, right to me I'm sorry if that's not the name um but you know they have uh, they're coming in to write as well so I think that's the issue that will actually make maybe John sound good but even then I think they're just writing for Dreamer so I don't know I don't know I've said I don't know how I sound right now but I feel really down just talking about this book because this is a book that has potential even with the stupid Bendis thing they're trying to do with Henry Bendix or whatever where it's trying to be like a meta commentary or whatever it's stupid but there's something there and that could have worked for a writer that knows how to actually write stakes for people with different sexualities like Grant Morrison Grant Morrison would have knocked the hell out of this Bendis meta commentary and I'm not even like Morrison's biggest shooter but Morrison knows how to do this meta game and how to make stakes still. And I don't think Tom, I don't know what's going on with Tom Taylor right now, but there's something in his writing where he just doesn't want to do actual stakes unless it's deceased. Maybe because it's all going to deceased. Maybe deceased is bringing him down. I hope that we should end deceased. Deceased, this is the last one. No more deceased after this. Let's see what happens. Maybe all of his negative energy is going into that and it's just bringing him down. So he wants to even it out with his other books. But now they're all suffering. So I'm sorry. I feel I'm feeling like my heart is like giving palpitation right now because I feel really passionate about this all of a sudden, and I think it's just because I miss Superman and I miss the John Kent I used to love. I used to love John Kent when he was like with the Super Sons and everything. He got aged up. That sucked. And I thought this would be the book that would actually bring him because Tom Taylor wrote a really good John Kent and deceased. So I don't understand what's happening, and it's apparently very frustrating to me. And I feel passionate about it. So I'm sorry, but Tom Taylor has to go from this book or else it's going to one be forgettable. Because after this year, like if it ends tomorrow, no one will remember it next year. We'll all say, what happened to that book? Or where's John Kent now? But no one would even care. Because no one cares about this book or what's happening in it. And I'm this is a positive podcast. <laughs> it's supposed to be. But at the same time, I think someone has to say it who actually cares about this character and actually cares about this type of representation. Because otherwise, we're just going to hear fucking assholes on YouTube with thumbnails of triggered people from 2001 right doing these fucking sjw comics are ruining comics and blah 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 which is it shouldn't be true because it's usually not true but i think in this case it kind of is because tom taylor doesn't know what he's doing and i i i don't know how to say that in a nicer way and i apologize if i'm totally misspeaking or something but i just want these books to be good i want these characters to succeed and i see i'm trying to you know i'm just looking at what i'm given and what i'm given is all pointing towards tom taylor being the issue for this comic in particular so sorry for that rant, but I was very passionate about it apparently. No, you're good. I I agree with your points. I Yeah. Um should I read the miscellaneous section? Yeah, let's be positive. <laughs> All right. Black Adam, the Justice Society. Oh, wait, sorry. Nubia looks great. Nubia's doing great. It looks great. I'm very excited for a new ongoing. Continue. Yeah, she's gonna be rad. Alright. A miscellaneous. Black Adam, the Justice Society files cyclone number one. Black Adam, number three. Blood Syndicate, season one, number four. Green Lantern Alliance. Deceased War of the Undead Gods, number one. Aquaman and the Flash, Void Song, number three. Dark Crisis, number three. Dark Crisis, Worlds Without a Justice League, Green Lantern, number one. Dark Crisis, Young Justice, number three. DC vs. Vampires, number eight. DC vs. Vampires, All at War, number two. DC Mech, number two. Duo number four, Fables number 154, Flashpoint Beyond number four, The Flash number 785, The Flash 2022 annual number one, 
DC Saved by the Bell Reeve number one. That Juni Ba cover's dope. Oh, yeah. Um, Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes number six. The Jurassic League number four. Yeah. Uh, Multiversity Teen Justice number three. Naomi season two number six. Tales of the Human Target number one. Uh, The new champion of Shazam number one. Yeah. We'll see. Rogues number four. (laughs) Task Force Z number 11. The Sam Universe Nightmare Country number five. The Swamp Thing number 16. Young Justice targets number two scooby-doo where are you number 117 the sandman number one facsimile edition detective comics number 27 facsimile edition all right what miscellaneous books are you excited about first and foremost the jurassic league cover of a green lantern dinosaur suplexing the red lantern dinosaur i'm into it i mean this is what it's all about baby i'm all here for it Jurassic League is amazing so far. I can't wait for more. That's a big one. Uh, yeah, it, issue one blew me away. So I'm very excited for the rest. Uh, I already talked a little bit about Swamp Thing. Number 16 is the finale of Rom V's Swamp Thing. And this book is special. I think people should pick it up. Yeah, I have to start it still. Have you read Duo yet? I read issue one and I wish I loved it more. Mm, that's fair. The art kind of brought me. The art kind of brought me down. Oh really? Yeah. That's unfortunate. I feel like Greg Pak and Jean Luen Yang are brilliant writers that are often paired with artists I'm less enthralled with. Ooh. Especially a DC. Especially a DC. Do you feel the same way about like Monkey Ball? Yeah, like Monkey Prince. I was very excited about, and I I read the first four issues. And the art just really wasn't working for me. And so, and I, it also really felt like it was written to a younger audience than mm. me. And that's usually not a problem. Like I like a lot of all ages comics, Yeah, but it, it did seem like a lot of like, haha monkey butt <laughs> that wasn't for me. I hope there's an audience for that book. Cause again, I think Jean Luen Yang is, I mean, it's, it's not just my thought. He is a certified genius. He has received the Pell Genius Grant. <laughs> That's and a good so, point. <laughs> and so it's just a fact. It is a fact that he is a genius. So mm. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Wasn't That's super for me. But what is super for me is the new champion is Shazam, number one. Finally. Maybe. <laughs> if that book ever comes out, I'm gonna lose my mind. It looks really good. I mean the creative team behind it is amazing. So I for some reason I thought Doc Shaner was doing all of it, but he's just doing art. I thought he was also doing all, all of it, but yeah. I mean, again, still, Josie Campbell is also very good. So Yeah, I don't think I know her from anything. Uh, She did one of the backup stories for Future's Day Green Lantern. Oh yeah, that's what they say here too. <laughs> so, did she's pretty she, good. Did she do the I Jessica... Think- no, she did the Guy Garner one, I think. Yeah. Jessica Jones was of another person's name I can't remember, but I think it was a man whose name is something. Or other. Who knows? Oh, well. Um, Unless Josie Campbell's a man. Hmm. Who knows? Who knows? But the other thing I'm excited for is Deceased 
number three. Dog, I'm so excited. Yeah. Listen, I'm let's ready. take all of our praise for Tom Taylor because we did just dunk <laughs> on him a ton. And hold I think on. I think we're both <laughs> fans of Tom Taylor. Yeah. So let's talk about how excited we are for Deceased. All right. Let me preface by saying I wasn't trying to dunk on anybody. I just saw the issue. If I was in that position, I'd want someone to call me out. You know, if I was writing a straight white man the wrong way, I'd want a straight white man to be like, well, it's not actually so blah, blah. You know, I want them to just like tell me how they want to be represented. We're very I'm just saying how that. I, as a bi or, you know, sexuality, who knows in the air, man, I just want to, I'm just saying how I want to be represented. And my representation, you know, has stakes in it still and also has a more interesting boyfriend. So for Deceased War of the Undead Gods, uh, I'm very excited for this. Tom Taylor has been in his bag with all the Deceased stuff. And I'm, I was once like when Deceased, like spoiler, I guess, but when Deceased 2 um, had that, like the stingers with um, Dark Side in it coming back, I was super excited for it. So I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. Uh, so far, everything deceased has been incredible, but especially the main series with Trevor Hairsign on art. Um, this is this has some of the most interesting use of legacy characters anywhere in comics. Yeah, I love Dark Side. I I'm very excited about this book. I think it's going to be really fun. I think so too. I also I'm curious how they're actually going to end it. Like it's going to be. Because the last book ended very optimistically, I was surprised by. So I'm wondering if that's the direction this is also going, or if we're actually going to see a big body count by the end of it. So, well, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I kind of think that's it for me. I'm definitely going to check out Black Adam, but yeah. like I haven't read number one yet, so I, don't know. I bet it's going to be good. Uh, DC versus Vampires, I think, is amazing. It's a lot it is of fun. a lot of fun. I got it's caught a lot up. of fun. It's very sexy. It's a very good book. I don't know if I'm just broken, but I haven't been getting the sexy that everyone else is getting. But I'm I mean, happy like, for them. I don't even like Hal Jordan. Like, I don't, I don't make, I, I don't know if I make that clear enough that I'm not a fan of Hal Jordan. I think I do, but the first issue, he was very sexy in that. I can't even lie. So I was, I was really into it, and I don't want to spoil anything. But there is another character that gets a vampire turn, and I was like, that's, that's pretty sexy. I don't know. I'm into it. Maybe I'm just into vampires. I don't know. We'll we'll find out. Uh, yeah. You're not, you're not excited for uh, Human Target? Uh, I'll definitely read it. I really like it. It feels weird to me because hmm. this is definitely just like a, hey, remember this book is still a thing while Greg Smallwood continues <laughs> on issue 7 through 12. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. This, to me... Feels like DC being like, Tom, write an annual and we'll call it special and we'll put four talented Amazing. artists on it. But like, I don't read annuals. I don't. Oh, fair enough. So I'll definitely, I'll read this. And if it's great, I will tell everybody on Twitter that it was great. But I, I will be most excited when number seven is announced. All right, fair enough. I don't like Human Target, so I have no feelings towards it, but I thought you might, so. Um, The Sandman Universe Presents Nightmare Country is really good so far. I think it's only two or three issues in, but it's it's giving what I want James Tinian to always give for horror, which something, like, I love something that's killing the children, but it's not giving that horror itch that James Tinian, I know he can do. And this is more in line of, like, James Tinian really leaning into the horror instead of the adventure aspect of it. 
So um, once you're done with Sandman, I think I don't think this is the next best step. Like I think you should read the Dreaming next, but uh, especially the new Dreaming. I don't, you've read the Dreaming with the Waking Hours, but not the other the Dreaming. I've read neither of them, but I am reading Waking Hours this month for Pride Month on oh, the Comics damn. Collective. I don't know if you... I feel like you should read the other Dreaming first, but obviously I can't stop you now. It's too late. You're too far in. You gotta do it. It's Pride Month. Pay your dues. <laughs> so... It's what I'm here for. <laughs> uh, and then Rose is also still very good. So yeah. I, there's stuff I'm excited for in DC, but... Not a lot of new stuff. And I, I, I really feel like I should try getting The Flash again, but I don't know where to start, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I should finish Mark Wade's run. Yeah, I'm halfway through. Mark Wade is Wally West, right? Yes. I might start there then. He... Or with the rogues. Yeah. You say, mm? No, I said, so he does, he basically oh. creates the Flash family through his run. And then oh. Jeff Johns comes on next and is the one that really fleshes out the rogues. And between okay. the two of them, that's like 10 years of Flash that was very critically acclaimed. Damn. I don't know if I'm going to read the Jeff Johns run because I just don't like Barry Allen. But, you know. It was also Wally West. What? The first, Damn it, Jeff. The first two volumes of his were um, Wally and then his... Uh, by volumes, I mean omnibuses. Um, so okay. the first two thirds <laughs> is Wally and then he does Flashpoint and Barry. Hmm. For okay. his third on the bus. Hmm. All right. Maybe I will. I'll read the Mark Wade run and see from there. It's but good. I'm, I'm way more interested in the Rogues right now than I'm in the Flash. So we'll see. Might just skip around. Yeah. I don't know. The Flash is someone I know that if I really committed to, I would love more. But I always just read in like little bursts. Like, aren't you great, you little red guy? Good for you. That's how I feel. But also, I just don't care for Barry Allen. Like, I liked him in um, like when I was reading New Fifty Two. That was really my first step into the Flash, so I kind of liked him. But as soon as I discovered Wally West and like that, that was the Flash from the cartoon. I think I just leaned very quickly towards him. When Wally West in the Mark Wade run talks about how it somehow becomes unacceptable to be excited about Christmas presents once you're an adult, mm. that's when he became my Flash. Because I was like, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, they're killing like, Christmas. I was like, I you're love Christmas presents too, Wally. I felt seen by that man. Damn. Yeah. So I think that's that's it for D. I'm also excited for Black uh, Adam, but I have the same reserve as you. Uh, so that's I think it's for DC. Word. Do we have any closing thoughts before I pee my pants? Yeah. First and foremost, I want to apologize to Tom Taylor. <laughs> I'm not trying to dunk on anybody. I just care about the comics and I care about uh, you know these characters and representation. So you know if you actually I somehow listen to this, uh, you know, no, it's not in like bad faith. I'm not here to attack anybody. Uh, and I hope you don't feel attacked, but you know, this, the comic isn't doing as well as it could be. And it's not hitting the demographic. I think you really want it to be. It's very well with like white liberals, you know, they're loving it. They're clapping it up, but you know, for the actual demographic you're trying to hit, I don't think it's hitting the same way that you want it to. So I don't know. This is one of those things where I'm like, I get also why you're putting your, your heels down because I saw some of the way people are talking to you on Twitter and maybe you're feeling a little stubborn. I get that. I 100% understand that. But at the same time, you know, I hope you're listening to the actual criticism from the people who want to read the book or who are trying to read the book like I am. Because um, I, th I think we're the audience you wanted. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're just super happy with what you got, which is also totally fine. 
I'll keep saying my thing. You keep making your money. You know, you're making the big bucks here. I'm not. Hey, what can I say? So, uh, you know, happy Pride Month. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are a lot of Tom King books on this one. I'm excited about that. That's all I got to say. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Evan Reads Comics. Dallas. I'm uh, at Dallas underscore comics. And I made it through a whole thing without saying I was right, PKJ. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, PKJ. <laughs>